What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What is the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Tonight's show, I would say it's going to be a fun one, but I don't see a lot of fun shows, but I see a lot of uh, good times in a way with us. Actually, that's even worse. But tonight's show is going to be one of interest for you. All Barkley, no bite, as the Carolina Panthers have fallen to four and five after a smackdown of smackdowns against the new um, from the New England Patriots. And now Sam Darnold injured shoulder, probably going to IR, at least at the very minimum, missing weeks. And the Panthers have signed Matt Barkley. Who? Who? Oh, I remember Matt USC. Barkley like ten years ago. Matt Barkley, oh, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here to do all of this and hang out with my buddies, my main pal, my wheel man, my co-host Cody Lasney. How you doing, my friend? Tony Dunn, I'm doing good, man. Listen, I feel a sense of obligation to be here for the Panther faithful, man, because once again we're, we're in another year where the Panthers have let our hopes down completely but you know what doesn't change the c3 podcast is still here for you every tuesday night at 9 p.m right on time and we're going to be doing it with the best panther fans in all of youtube tony Dunn, you know him i love him it's aj Lindsay, atx19 brad dugan craig cartner joey the blind panther esquivel kegelfort kevin boshoven karen Choi. Panther rules, Tony Dunn, and on tour, but to do it, brother, let's roll. Greg, it's like uh, Matt Rule is the daylight savings time of um, Carolina Panther life, and as you, um, it gets dark, it got dark a little earlier than expected under the Matt Rule era. Yeah, it's it's very similar to that. It's, it rolls back weekly, not once a year for him. Uh, it's kind of crazy, man. I. I Guys, can we say welcome to the new norm with the Carolina uh, Panthers? Like, is it is this? It seems to be following a pattern here, right? Uh, I'm worried. I don't know. That's tough. Um, hope it's not the new norm. It does feel like it will be normal for the rest of the season. We'll talk about that and what Sam Darnold's injury means, what the veteran quarterback Sam Barkley means, and if it is PJ time. 
And I will ask Cody Lashney at some point if this changes anything. Um, <laughs> we got uh, some cool stuff later in the show. Um, in uh, I mean, I'm saying uh, a lot. Ed Smith, former NFL tight end, host of Believe in Cardinals podcast, as well as um, radio host for 1060 AM Phoenix. Friend of the show has been on a couple of times in the past. Fun guy. Uh, he's going to have a fun time telling us about this bloodbath that probably will occur as the Carolina Panthers venture to Arizona against a red-hot Cardinals team that even without Kyler Murray is able to spank a division rival in the San Francisco 49ers and make them feel and look foolish with these trick plays and this and that. And Colt McCoy firing from the hip. Holy cow, we want you to be a part of all of this conversation by calling in at 252-228-5098, smashing the thumbs up button, jumping in the chat room, telling a friend on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever you hang out on the intranets about the show. And uh, just uh, one other thing. Oh, yeah, you can download the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever the heck you get your podcast at. Uh, tomorrow night, David Newton ahead right yes sir uh, that is rumors i mean i'm going i'm going to wait for i'm going to contact him after tonight's show and double triple confirm it the beat check will start at 8 30 tomorrow night uh and tomorrow also cody lashney he better get his he better be he's probably not even gonna be able to sleep tonight as he's worried <laughs> about the next episode of debate my take cody Darnold yes, injury, Darnold injury, yeah. scapula reports came out, I guess. Uh, last week, Darnold left the game two weeks ago against the Atlanta Falcons, right? Uh, in the win with the concussion, right? Was that who's that we played two weeks ago? Yeah, the Falcons? I mean, yeah, that's okay. who we beat. We beat the Falcons. All right, and then he left with a, con a concussion. Um, throughout the week, he did not practice, and uh, everybody seemed to believe it was because of the concussion protocol. Uh, Matt Rule at some point reported that uh, Sam Darnold experienced some shoulder soreness. I don't know if that was leading up to the game, but also uh, after this past game with the New England Patriots, they then said they would be checking out his arm after more reported shoulder soreness. And today comes out that he has, well, it depends on how you say it, broken, fractured scapula. What does this mean? What does this mean? Well, one, uh, I'll tell you this. It means that Matt Rule has more than one Ron Rivera tendency. Because if, if he was hurt sometime after the Atlanta game, and then now you're forcing him back into action, what for your own job security? Is this just like what Ron Rivera did? He was hurt. He had a concussion, do? dude. He was still hurt from that. Yeah, but we also knew that he had the shoulder injury too. But point being, is you Matt Rule marched Sam Darnold onto the field, thinking that he was going to be okay. Either that, or this injury isn't as bad as a lot of us are thinking that it is, and he just doesn't want to chart Sam Darnold out there again. So it's an embarrassing look all the way around. Um, I mean, listen, right now, I don't think it's too far out there to say that the Panthers have one of the worst quarterback rooms in the NFL right now. Between P.J. Walker, 
McCoy or no, not not McCoy. Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley. Sorry, yeah. Enter enter generic creative character backup quarterback name here, right? Um, you know, then to to Sam Darnold not playing well to PJ Walker to this guy. I, I don't know, man. It's it's not looking good for our quarterback room right now. It's very, very convenient that this happened, you know, for, for, for them. Like we were talking last week about somebody having to be fired and we were discussing on the show Sunday who it had to be like we wanted. Somebody got fired. They just disguise it as an injury. And I'm not saying he's not hurt. Okay. I'm not saying he's not hurt, but how does it take a doctor? Well, they say they examine the x-rays for two days to find a fracture. Would you be mad if you were in the waiting room for two days? Waiting on the results of your <laughs> x-ray. Mm. All right, Greg, mm. uh, here's the deal. Have you ever cooked a pig shoulder before? Yeah. All right. Like when you get that, uh, that like Boston butt, the pig, the full pig shoulder, the one that's got the two bones in it. But even the Boston butt, I think, comes with. Yeah, this this bone for a pig is in the Boston butt. And if you cook the cook it right right and you cook it long enough to where you can just pull that sucker out clean it's the one that is flat and has that kind of ridge up here it is on the screen and it's in the back right it's a big it's kind of a big bone where your shoulder sits in it now i was reading about this stuff and there's basically they classify scapula fractures based on where they're at on the bone is not even really about the severity of them, but the first classification is the location. You see those two knobs that are like just south of the clavicle? Like that's yeah. one place that they classify it. Then there is that one knob that looks like it's behind the clavicle at the top right towards the neck, mm-hmm. right? That's another area. And then that bottom plate triangle area is another area. And then there's areas on those areas, right? right? So when they say a scapula fracture, it could be anywhere on this. And everything I read on the eight minutes that I read about, if even that, on scapula fractures is that these are generally suffered in high-velocity situations, like a football injury, okay? Uh, But every doctor thing is there's a zero treatment for it. Usually like they're like, it's like, you don't operate. You just let it heal. Uh, But every other, every website and every little health thing I saw, I saw them talk about it was really, they were more interested in the other injuries that went with it. So it was like, is this, did you suffer this up near the neck? Right. And is it, do you have back problems or something like this? Did you dislocate your AC joint or whatever this is? All right. What we haven't heard are any other injuries, really significant injuries suffered by Sam Darnold, like a broken clavicle, like a torn rotator cuff, like a back injury or something. So my theory is, like you said, looking for two days that they found a minor, minor little crack or imperfection in this bone mm-hmm. and said, hey, this is a good way for you to never be a Carolina Panther again, Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. You put that <laughs> so much more eloquently than I did. Yes. <laughs> I yes. think so. You, 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 you put it out there. That's exactly right, man. I, I, well, I and, uh, it's also Matt Rule having to live with his own terrible decisions. 
I mean, you know, he talked about uh, the success rate of rookie quarterbacks being really low, and they saw flashes of Matthew Stafford and Sam Darnold. So they go out there and get him, and then now he's playing absolutely terrible. And I'm sorry, but a a, a you know whatever this injury is to his scapula on his non-throwing shoulder. At least that's what I'm hearing that it's on his non-throwing shoulder. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, like, that's not the reason he threw three interceptions. He threw three interceptions because he's Sam Darnold. So it, it's like no one has any faith in him right now. And I feel like the players don't. I feel like our coaches don't. And there is no situation that they're going to let Sam Darnold jot out there on the field and just be terrible again behind this uh, really bad offensive line. I uh, saw I read some other things about the uh, treatment and – um, you know, they treat this by putting it up in a sling. Uh, usually nine. Yeah, that's all you do. Um, said just a matter of weeks. But here's the thing is it said symptoms. Um, intercept, throwing interceptions. Uh, symptoms. Uh, feeling insane pressure in the pocket. I did read this all for this type of injury. The yeah. other symptom was angry wide receivers. Mm. And the last symptom was signed veterans like uh, Matt Barkley. Wow. That is a, <laughs> that's a vicious uh, break right there. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the worst that. breaks. Oh, wait. We are going through all that, basically. Turns out his shoulder's been broken his whole life. <laughs> oh, no. You hate to hear it, man. Um. All right, tell me what does uh, Matt Barkley mean for this team? Not mean for this team. What does today? I felt like I heard the Barkley news before I even heard the Sam Darnold official shoulder announcement. So Barkley signs with the Bills, not with the Bills, with uh, the Carolina Panthers. He's formerly been with, um, I know the Bills and the Titans. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills. And Chicago and Philly. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a journeyman. He's, yeah. he's been around. Uh, he's been around everywhere. Another USC quarterback, dude. Another bus USC quarterback, man. Yeah. Uh, Wide receiver drafted by right? drafted yeah. by the Philadelphia Eagles, and he is thirty one now. So that would he was when would he have been drafted? Where's his draft? Sorry, go. Same, same year as uh, twenty thirteen. Thirteen. Oh, okay, yeah. so he was like a fifth year player. Because uh, him and I are the same age. So, yeah, these are some of the numbers on Matt Barkley uh, in his career. Uh, he's had 363 attempts, 212 completions, a 58.4 completion percentage, 2,699 yards, 11 passing touchdowns, and 22 interceptions. So, listen, he was not brought in to be the starter. Uh, Matt Barkley is who he is. He's a backup quarterback. The problem is, so is P.J. Walker. And we have a bunch of fans of this podcast who want to believe in the Walker wonder. And, hey, listen, man, he's going to get his shot now. Everybody's saying that uh, uh, P.J. having real potential to be a good quarterback. Well, you're going to find out. We still have the same receiving core. We still have Christian McCaffrey. We got D.J. Moore. We got Robbie Anderson. I'd be interested to see if um, – if Robbie Anderson, uh, if the receivers still continue to have problems with drops and, and stuff like that, once they have uh, PJ throwing him the football, 
But uh, yeah, we're going to find out who PJ Walker is. Barkley is a backup, and it's just for safety, man, because they knew Lies. this injury uh, about Sam Darnold. So they're Lies. trying to cover their bases. They're panicked. Greg, Greg Barkley is a starter, dude. He Bro. has had m- more success in the league than Sam Darnold has. <laughs> a has been <laughs> evolved version of Sam. Oh my gosh. Possibly. He actually has more yards than Sam Darnold in his. Oh no, this is his USC yard. Never mind. Dang it. Okay. I was about to say, no, I was like, what's that's he looking at? No. Well, look, he only started seven games. Okay. And I'm not trying to defend the guy what by any means. I'm actually trying to kind of knock him down here. He was, you know, started in seven games. Um, and he threw 14 interceptions in those seven games, which is really easy math. He averages two interceptions a game. So, yeah, we just got an older version of Sam Darnold, looks like. I know. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you got to give, Matt, you said he's a backup quarterback, Cody. Definitely. He is. Uh, he only started seven games in his career. And what is that? What is a backup quarterback, though, ultimately? He's been in the league for seven years. Or something like this. He wasn't. He, he wasn't has done so little. Like, uh, like he's just always just. What is it? They just like having him around. You know, exactly. it's like uh, he's just. Is not really a quarterback. If he's just backup always on a team, it's just like stand over there. Yeah, dude. Backup quarterback is the best job in the world and the worst job in the world because, like, yeah, you're getting paid NFL money. You're still getting paid millions of dollars. But, dude, you can be out in the club on Saturday night and people are like, hey, man, why aren't why, why you, you know, in bed and prepared for the game tomorrow? Dude, I'm not playing tomorrow. Like, <laughs> But at the same time, you have to be ready to go in there and play at the drop of a hat. At least and, a snap. And, 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 be, and, yeah, and be good. And then people are going to just be absolutely good. dump all over you. If, if yes, we are. There and you're, because and you're you shouldn't terrible. be on the team if you suck. You shouldn't even be on the team if you suck that bad. Right. Like, is it the backup, starter, the backup quarterback that should just be more competent than they are? I just feel like the backup quarterback in the. It's like imagine. It's just strange that if you if the backup safety came in and they couldn't like run. Or like you would throw the ball and they would just be like picking daisies out there. You would be pissed as fuck. Like they, they'd be like, oh, I'm a backup. Say, like the backup quarterback should be a little bit better. Than this, I feel like the old backup quarterbacks in the back of the day were a little bit better. Just like aged, good quarterbacks. Dude, they like guys, used to be starters that are dude, now. These guys drink a lot of beer. They tell a lot of dirty jokes. They they're the life of the party. Matt but Barkley does never, not tell a bunch never, of dirty they've jokes. They've never been the guy that's been the the all star quarterback to lead the team to victory. And if if you don't have that kind of talent, yeah, you're quickly downgraded, man. Yeah. How about this? Sam Darnold might be a backup quarterback in the NFL. I think he is. We don't know. He is. If he ever gets oh, signed again, it, to be I don't even know if he is that. To be honest. Again. Look, Matt Barkley went a year without being signed by anybody. And I actually read my stats wrong earlier. I was looking at a year. He played six. He's had seven starts, six of them in one year. He's thrown 22 overall interceptions. I see the chat room tearing me up about that. He has, but he threw 14 in that one year. He started six. That's what I was looking at. I apologize. But that makes it even worse. That's an average of three interceptions a game. But yeah, he's what? a backup quarterback. Like I said, he didn't even get signed for 2017. Like, what does that what say? What kind of, uh, what kind of, 
guy like do you think this guy's making dirty jokes in the locker room? Oh, look at that face. Of course. That dude right there? Yeah, dude, of course that guy's making dirty jokes. Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast uh, brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. You can be a part of the show calling in at 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. We got Ed Smith from Believe in Cardinals podcast and radio host for 1060 AM Phoenix joining us at 930 to help preview uh, the Arizona Cardinals matchup this coming week. Um, and what I would like the callers to do is not only smash the thumbs up button, be a part and subscribe to the show, tell a friend about it. But if you're calling in, my question to you guys is, does this change anything? Let's go to uh, our first set of cat calls. And uh, you guys think on that, Cody. Greg, does this change anything? And when I mean this, Sam Darnold, um, likely we'll see him on IR, I expect. Maybe not. Maybe he comes back and gets to play a couple at the end before we sit and put him to, what do they, when the euthana- euthanasia or something. So what are your thoughts on catcalling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think catcalling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. Uh, so Kevin read the time fucking Matt Barkley. Are, <laughs> are you are you seriously fucking kidding me? Cam Newton's right there. You need a quarterback. He signed Matt fucking Barkley. I didn't know the guy was still in the fucking league. I, I, I'm fucking over Tepper. I'm over fucking Matt Rule. What have they done? They have done nothing. What has David Tepper done? Nothing but run this fucking franchise into the fucking ground and try to destroy the greatest Panther of all time. Try to fucking erase him. The, the, Matt Barkley? Are you fucking kidding me? Matt fucking Barkley? No, Cam Newton. I'm fucking mind is blown right now. Mine is fucking blown. Please, for the love of God, when y'all talk to David Newton, bring up why this team has so much disrespect for fucking Cam Newton. Tell me why this team refuses to even acknowledge the guy who fucking brought us the MVP, who brought us to the fucking Super Bowl. This is fucking gross. This is fucking disgrace. I don't care if you're not a pro Cam or you hate Cam or you think Cam is done. But if you think that fucking Matt Barkley is a better fucking choice than Cam Newton, you're fucking out of your fucking mind. Please don't shove your dick up my ass and tell me you're giving me a prostate exam. Fuck you, David Temper, and fuck you, Matt Rule. Peace. Good. He's angry, man. People are mad, dude. This is what happens when you when you fail people's expectations three yeah. years in a row. That's why you can't build a fan base. Yeah. That's why you can't build a fan base. We are two bananas short of a shit Sunday here, y'all. Hey, David There's Tepper, the, look, know. until proven otherwise, David Tepper might be one of the worst things that's happened to this franchise, man. I'm telling hey, man, you. The caller, had a, the caller had a mouth that uh, could qualify him to be a backup quarterback. <laughs> Those yeah. are the type of jokes that make you sign this guy, sign, uh, sign my man up. You, yeah. you know what's uh, so funny? The- I, I had almost the exact same 
conversation and the exact same reaction when a friend at work asked me about them this morning. I mean, I sounded just like him. That's why I was just like, yeah, I feel you. I sounded exactly like him. Well, the Barkley signing wasn't then, but as far as how he felt about <laughs> everybody else. For me, uh, you know, is that this is actually a good thing, folks. This is a good thing. And that's why I said, does this change anything? And to be honest, the only thing that this does is save some face for Sam Donald and for the Carolina Panthers, right? Is that, and look, at the end, everybody's going to have to lose, is going to have to have the egg on their face, right? At the end of the season, I don't believe that Sam Darnold will be a Carolina Panther anymore after this season. Like, I do not, at the very minimum, I do not think he starts a game for Carolina ever again, unless, like, I don't think he's a starting quarterback. But I also really don't believe he's going to be, I think they're just going to cut him after this year and take cut their losses like they did with and just eat all the cash yeah i mean they did it with teddy but you know i mean they right. did it with teddy and then you got to eat the draft right. picks but here's the thing is that you know what's worse is trotting them back out there and it being awful again but here's is that um what they'll be able to do is he'll either come back and play a couple of games at the end and they'll put him in some easy situations or something like that and then get him out of there or they're going to move him to IR and they'll release him. And it's not like we benched him in the, you know, like we just said it was because of his play. They're going to be like, it's his shoulder. They'll trot him out there. He'll have the sling on right. When he comes out there, he'll stand out there. And then on the announcers won't have to go crazy talking about how, how big of a disaster this was, blah, blah, blah. So they get through the season with minimal PR hit. They take a couple of weeks of ribbons after they drop them or something like that, and then they make their move after this. The good news is is that we don't either have to look at Sam Darnold play anymore, and we probably don't have to worry about winning anymore. We probably uh, don't Which have is to a good worry thing. about winning anymore. But easy, you know yeah. what? We do have to worry about. We have to worry about uh, our chat room having a, a very specific fetish and uh they, you know they need to get their jollies man they need to they need to have their thing and um i happen to know a guy who can satisfy all of their lustful urges my man ck talk to the people real quick did you miss me i've showed up late better than never and i'm here to do one thing and one thing only along with a lot of other things and that's talk a lot about the panthers but i don't know how many of you legends are here right now because i haven't had a chance to pull it up because i'm just walking through the front door honey i'm home subscriber shame subscriber shame 118 people watching 49 thumbs up hit the like button hit the subscribe hit the notification bell to get notified every single time the Panthers go live, man. That's all we ask for, from you. Uh, help Panther Nation grow. Help this channel to grow. We're going to be here all year, man, through thick and thin. If the Panthers are good or if the Panthers are trash like they always are and appear to be now. So hit the thumbs up while you're here, man. Uh, CK, uh, sounds like it's PJ time in Carolina. What does this change about the trajectory of the season in your mind when it comes to the Darnold injury? 
thinks he's oh, frozen. Oh, I think he's frozen. frozen. He's frozen oh, yeah. in time. Oh, <laughs> he's no. frozen in time. He got frozen Man. right in the middle. We were of rolling, too. Thing. We were all feeding off of the chemistry, bah, yeah. bah, bah, bouncing off of things. We've been moving and shaking. <laughs> and then the internet strikes. All right, let's go to the next call. Now he's going to have to wait in purgatory when he comes back. <laughs> that's the worst part we didn't even have to choose we could have had both you know we already had Sam Darnold PJ Walker you know I mean if Sam Darnold doesn't throw 400 yards and four touchdowns then you know put him in what's why not but after the Lions game, I've, ever since I've seen him, he's never inspired too much confidence. Or maybe if he gets a chance, maybe. But I think that's just me trying to make up for the fact that I just watched Justin Fields ball the fuck out oh. on Monday Night Football. Oh, wow. Really deserved to beat the Steelers. Way to bring it back around Man, and just I mean, jab I it in our... I was upset but after the Patriots game, but this beat me down. This game... Watching, oh my God, we had both. We didn't have to choose. We could have just picked Justin Fields. Why not? Why not? We could have just benched Sam right now and put in Justin Fields. But you know, we have Sam Darnold. We have PJ Walker. Still gonna get you know pumped on game day, I guess. When I go to games, I'll be excited, you know. But uh, for at least like. You know, when you see that uh, boy, animatronic panther jumping around the stadium. So close. You don't get that opportunity that often. I love this. <sighs> but on a, uh, you know, I try to bring the positive vibes. So to end it on a positive note, <laughs> um, in the past couple weeks, we have not called any dumb fucking timeouts in the first quarter or the third quarter. Now we just don't take timeouts at all. <laughs> Tough day. <laughs> I like this call. Me too. That's great. Uh, that call is a good call because um, I was starting to worry in the beginning of the call if I had not played a part one yet. Yeah. And he circled back around to you can have both. Right. And he started that we could have had both. He started the call. He circled around and then jabbed his shank in the back of us with the, the Justin Field shank, dude. And you watched Monday yeah, Night Football last night and you all you could not help but say, this is where we could have been. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I said this on Twitter. We make fun of the Bears for drafting Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. And you know Deshaun Watson before all his crazy shit happened. It's like, yeah, the Panthers are open season. You, you needed yeah. a young franchise quarterback, and not only that, but you have a quarterback that had ties to Cam Newton. I mean, he went up through Cam's seven on seven quarterback camps. Um, you know, he's from Georgia, like Cam was. But also, listen, you know, I do a top one hundred players. Every single year when I evaluate, you know, players coming through the draft and Justin Fields was my number two ranked player in the entire draft, regardless of position. And he fell right to us. 
And we decided, mm, nah, we're going to gamble with Sam Darnold uh, and, you know, just pass on a franchise quarterback, pass on a franchise left tackle, even though we've been in dire need of one forever, and just hope that we can rejuvenate Sam Darnold's career. Well, the problem with that is, is if you're going to have Sam Darnold be a better quarterback than he was in New York, then it is incumbent upon your franchise to build him a better offensive line. And this offensive line, I I read somewhere today that for the past uh, six seasons in a row, Panthers quarterbacks have had some major injury that have caused them to miss playing time these past few years, man. It's the same thing over and over. The definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over and hoping for different results. It's like we're banking on these backup quarterbacks to try and save us behind a dirt-poor offensive line, and it goes awry, and it's going to continue to go awry until we fix that O-line and until we get a much better quarterback under center. The number is 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Ed Smith will be joining us in just a few moments uh, to help us preview this Arizona Cardinals game and what many of us foresee as um, a bloodbath on the way on the on the horizon, particularly if Kyra, Kyler Murray is back. CK may be back. Yep. He's at least here in voice. I'm here. I'm here. How are um, <laughs> Does the what what does this news change for you? Um, no more Sam Darnold's. Uh, does it change anything about this season, CK? And is it, uh, is it official he's done for the rest of the year? No, it's not We're just making for the, the assumption the based year. on uh, yeah. like again, forgive me. I, I know you guys have probably talked about it, but I know Greg kind of alluded to this and in, in our DMs about you know, it just seems like it's more of a safe face for, for Sam instead of him being physically you know, benched and whatnot. We'll see. Um, you know, I, I think it changes a lot. It changes the the outcome. Number one, the fact that we're going the route that we're going instead of, again, there is literally one man out there that is a starting caliber quarterback in this league, regardless of what is his, whether he is starting to kind of degrade or not. There is one person out there, and I'm, I know everybody's beating the drum and it's probably been heard and everybody's ready to move past it. There is one person. And his name is Cam Newton, but he won't come back to Carolina, I don't feel like. So that's the problem. I wish if David Tepper had the stones to call him up and say, you know what? My apologies. You know, we we jumped the gun. Uh, or if Matt Rule, I think it has to be Matt Rule. I, I don't think David Tepper can be the one to be blamed because he only, you know, a, again, his, his scenario is he came into a situation where Cam was hurt and uh, never really got to see him play uh, a, a very good down um, or a very good stretch of uh, games. I, I hate to say it, guys. Cam Newton is the only hope that this season has to be revived, and it's a very small hope anyway. So uh, for many people who are probably thinking, well, why bring him over if uh, if you have no O-line help, if, if everybody's failing on the offense? Like, I agree. I, I don't even know if he'd want to come. I don't know who would want to come other than Matt Barkley. Yeah, it, it's really, really... <laughs> Can you name that laugh? Harry Potter is dead! (laughs) That was the old Voldemort. (laughs) Harry Potter, Voldemort, the man who cannot be named, and that is Cam Newton. 
We cannot say that name. We say it three times, and good things might happen in our lives. It, it, it's really sad that we're, what, two no. years removed now the, Cam Newton, they've, they've erased him from the Panther the, like organization. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about this later in the show. After the game, look, is, this was real big in the post game as well as uh, in some of the round tables that have been going around that we were part of this past week. Um, and that is there's a banner in Bank of America Stadium right now celebrating the 2015 NFC championship victory and it's got a big like I mean it is a big banner and it's meant to celebrate mm-hmm. it's like our little memorial and on that you have a pic- it's it's the picture of them celebrating it I was there I mean I shouldn't be in the banner but you would think since Greg Olson was in there he should be in the banner you think of uh Thomas Davis you think of Charles Johnson celebrating you think of Luke Keekley and then right when you think of Cam Newton, what you run into the bathroom? God, Lord! All right, we'll talk about that. Go ahead, Greg, real quick. Well, the only thing I was gonna say is if you, I went through all the replies to this, and I did notice that some people say that that was a banner that was up there in 2019. So I don't know. I, I, I haven't been to the stadium. So, I'm not sure. That's no, still, that's, that's still that's under David. They did it. They did no, it. I, I uh, yeah. Um, they that did it, sure. and then they uh, and they did it earlier, and we just didn't notice it. Anyway, Maybe, I mean, I you got um, to remember, like it was already clear that they were kind of moving away from him that season when we had Kyle Allen, because everybody was saying Kyle Allen's going to take his job and all that stuff. Like people well, were all on that train when we were like six and three or whatever it was. That's why the Cam Newton he can't we can't name his name. And he can't be associated with the Carolina Panthers. But anyway, yes, we'll talk man. about more of that and later. Um, let's go. This is Carolina Panthers are uh, going to Arizona to a team that is on fire, on fire this year. Cody Lashley, bring in our guest friend of the show, Ed Smith. Uh, Ed, Ed Smith speaks. You can find his work um, on 1060 AM Phoenix, as well as believe in Cardinals. He's always been a popular guest on our show. Welcome back, Ed. How you doing? Man, it's good to see you guys, man. It's been a crazy year so far. A lot of flip-flops and, you know, crazy stuff going on. Uh, you know, who, who would have thought the Cardinals would be 8-1 and one right now, especially not me. Is it fun uh, covering a team that's winning? It's fun. Uh, you know, at the same time, though, I try to keep it tempered out here because, you know, we started off 6-3 and three last year, then crashed and burned to an 8-8 eight and eight finish. So, you know, I, I keep trying to remind everybody it's it's week to week. But, man, I'm telling you, every week the Cardinals continue to kind of prove me wrong. I had them pick – you know, we do our preseason picks at the start of the season. I had them at 8-9, and nine, man. And it was – you know, you look at their schedule, you look – the fact we didn't do anything during the uh, preseason at all uh, and, you know, had no confidence not, – not a lot of confidence in Kingsbury, his presence on the sideline. Like I said, I've been proven wrong at every step of the uh, the journey so far, especially with how they've gone on the road, how they won, obviously, with a backup quarterback last week. It's just, you know, it's it's when – and I know the, the situation you guys are in, you know, you start off, what was it, 3-0, and 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 then the wheels seem to fall off. Man, it makes it a, a rough watch, and I've been keeping an eye on you guys, and, man, uh, Darnold is, is not making it easy over there for you, is he? Not at all. No, no. It's almost like uh, you guys with the blueprint. 
you know, don't don't stick with a bum quarterback too long <laughs> and, and and pair your brand new head coach with a brand new quarterback in the draft. And frankly, the Panthers had an opportunity to do so, Ed. And yeah, we decided to try and reinvent Sam Darnold's career uh, behind a makeshift offensive line. Yeah. So yeah, it, it wasn't too hard to see this coming. I think a lot of Panther fans tried to look at it through rose colored glasses and, you know, you know, we want to be excited about the team, man. Hope springs eternal at the beginning of every season. Uh, we thought that we might have the coaches and the team to be able to do that for Sam. But, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> just not at all. It <laughs> came crashing back down to earth. The Cardinals uh, were one play away from being perfect so far this season. Um, and then uh, former Carolina Panther, just for a moment, Rasul Douglas, uh, secured a touchdown where I think you guys, even if he would, if he wouldn't have caught that, you would have maybe had some more chances to still tie or win that game, or maybe win that game or tie. I know, I mean, yeah. obviously it was going to be a win, but I mean, you were right there. So what's different last year? Um, the Arizona Cardinals, when we talked to you, came to our house, and that was one of the losses, I believe, that started that. Um, that backslide for the car. Yeah. Is what's different about this year's team from that from last year's team? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think the biggest difference and one of the things that uh, Steve Kime did, he went out and pretty much just pushed all the chips to the middle of the table, uh, making some acquisitions for us with AJ green. You know, you go out and get a JJ Watt, but I warned everybody at the beginning of the season, Mm -hmm. JJ Watt is what he is. And, you know, He's, a, he's a, a future Hall of Famer who in the last bunch of years has not been able to stay healthy. And once again, we're dealing with that injury bug. He might be down for the season with that soldier. But Kaim did go out. He spent some money. Uh, you know, we get uh, um, a tight end in here. Uh, Ertz, something that nobody saw coming after we, you know, one of our tight ends goes down. So he's been willing to pretty much just say, hey, we're all in. We're going for it. The biggest difference for me, fellas, has been, what Kingsbury's been able to do as far as having his team prepared week to week uh, and then winning games and all the different types of ways that you can win them instead of losing them. Now, I know you guys can understand this part. You know, you go on the road, you don't play well against a Jacksonville, but you still pull that victory out. In past seasons, that would have been a game we figured out how to lose. You know, then you go um, on the road to Cleveland and, you know, they, they should have had the game plan to beat us you know, pounding ground on the, uh, you know, with their game plan. We go over there, and before you know it, we've punched them in the mouth, and, you know, uh, uh, Baker's on the run. Their running game is is scrambled. We take control of that game. We pull that victory off. Uh, you know, then we, you know, we manage a couple other. Here's the thing. You always have to be lucky as well. Minnesota comes in here, and they go wide right on us, so we get a victory there. But then we go on the road, and, and this is after a loss to Green Bay. We go on the road. And who would have blamed the Cardinals? You go over there, you're all week long talking about, you know, Kyler's a game-time decision, knowing all along I think they knew he wasn't going to play. But, you know, it's a little gamesmanship. You get uh, our backup quarterback over there, Colt McCoy, and we go over there and literally just punch San Francisco in the mouth. And that shows me that, one, a team is prepared, um, there's no excuses, and everybody is stepping up. And I love the way the defense is playing – Vance has this defense 
so unpredictable where in past seasons it was you got to a certain down distance, well, this is what Vance is going to do, you know. And this year, man, I'm telling you, he has been able to disguise a bunch of things. He's got some different weapons in the tool bag now with your, you know, uh, Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. I know you guys are interested in how Isaiah is doing over here. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I got some questions about Isaiah for you later. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, it's just – and, you know, it, it. we all know we're eight and one, nine games into the season. We got still eight to go. The wheels can still fall off this bus. But I do like where we're sitting right now and just the overall attitude and approach to each week that this team has, has given us so far. Man, I'm telling you, you know, you, you don't know it's a magical season until you get to the end of it. But I tell you right now, it has been a pretty good one so far, especially in comparison to what we've seen around the league with certain teams that had those high hopes. You know, and you talk about a magical season. And once upon a time, the Carolina Panthers had a magical season. <laughs> and we had a quarterback who wore the number one. And he was square in the middle of an MVP race. Now it seems like uh, many, many moons ago for us, Ed. But for you, that's your current reality, man. And I want to switch this discussion and veer it towards Kyler Murray. I've been such a fan of him for a long time. I was calling him uh, for him to be an MVP candidate last season. I was a year or two premature. But it, it's looking like he is finally living up to all that potential of a number one draft pick. What has been the difference this year for Kyler? And what do you attribute it to? Is it coaching, just overall better playmakers? What, what would you say is the reason for Kyler Murray playing like such a true MVP candidate? Well, I'll be honest with you, Cody. I, I give a lot of credit once again. I'll go back to what Kingsbury is doing. If you watch our offense, even in this last week, when you go over there with Colt McCoy as your quarterback, they were so creative with not just the formations and the different things. You had the, the pass from uh, Christian Kirk out there, and you've got a new weapon in Rondell uh, Moore. We are just doing – you know, what Kingsbury is doing, he's gotten away from the, the stagnant, um, here we go, uh, you know, one play at a time type thing. He's got teams – or defenses actually scrambling right now on the run trying to figure out what the hell – is Arizona going to do next? And that's what I've actually seen is the biggest difference. It's not, you know, Kyler's still doing being so dynamic and what his ability does for you, it gives you an opportunity when everything breaks down. Man, this dude is, we've seen him scramble and it's like, oh, he's going to take off. Then all of a sudden he gets parallel to the line and starts scraping and then he's one up to D-hop down the, down the sideline. And that's been the biggest thing. He's been so creative, not only with his, play calling on the, you know, meaning Kyler Murray on the field, but Kingsbury's giving them that extra, I guess, kind of uh, uh, element to the entire offense. You can't just sit back and, and wait for us to do one thing or the other. And then the other thing I like, man, we went out and I had a lot of, I was worried about it at the beginning of the year, but our running game with James Conner has become something that now, it's not an afterthought. Now it's something, and you guys experienced this obviously with McCaffrey. The problem with McCaffrey, you can't keep him healthy. But with yeah. Connor, we're bringing an element of, man, if you have to respect that and you have to respect Kyler Murray coming 
uh, out the suit every now and then. And you got to cover D-Hop for more than a couple seconds. And then you got A.J. Green com- contributing and Kirk. And, man, I'm telling you, we've just become an offense that you just can't sit around and figure out and eventually think you're going to get it. At every corner, it's like Kingsbury got – he has something else planned. And like I said, when you have these dynamic kind of weapons, it becomes something, man, it's really hard to stop. It's almost like something you haven't seen before. And, and I know they kept talking about this is what Kingsbury was going to bring. I've been waiting to see it for a long time. I think I'm finally starting to see what they were talking about. Um, I was um, I was listening to an interview with um, was it Edmonds, the guy that just got hurt, Chase Edmonds. Um, and this was in maybe the first couple of weeks of the season. I think he played a larger role and now is hurt. And then Connor has taken over a lot of or at least gotten a lot of touchdowns on top of yeah. that. But he was this this Chase Edmonds kid was so well spoken, so eloquent and so smart and, and just like sounding like a great team player that was ready to contribute a lot on this team. But what he was talking about with Kyler Murray, that is how dialed in he seemed to be in practice, in training camp, and making throws that were just completely just insane. Like you go, you have to put in the exact spot, and it just looked like he was playing with a super confidence. You mentioned how he is playing, and then you also uh, mentioned Kingsbury so much in that same discussion. Do you think that both of them are? kind of matured or are mature, we're seeing them mature in their third season because I thought that Kyler Murray showed a ton of poise in that Green Bay game down the stretch. And I, I think that if you're saying that Kingsbury is largely re- spot, uh, responsible for this, that's a good sign uh, for a coach and a QB to be growing together like that. Absolutely. And that's a great assessment. And I'll, I'll, I kind of – you know, you talk about what, like for a quarterback on the field, they will all tell you, and especially when they're rookies and they're young, you see some of the young quarterbacks around the league right now, it seems like everything's moving in fast motion for them. It's spinning. And uh, the problem with some of them, they never stop, it never stops spinning for them. And the game always seems like it's too fast. And what I'm seeing with Kyler is he's actually, things are slowing down for him on the field and he's able to dissect things and see them before they happen, and also kind of see what you're trying to do to him before you do it. And, you know, the great quarterbacks, you talk about some of the veterans, your Rodgers, your Brady's, you know, um, even Russell Wilson. These guys, there's nothing you can throw at them at this point in their careers because they've seen it all, done it all. You can try to disguise it, put, you know, lipstick on it, whatever you're going to do. It all looks like the same pig to them when it's finally said and done. Kyler's in that beginning stage of he's recognizing things as he's going to the line of scrimmage, which gives him an opportunity to dissect and di- de- decipher. And then once the play starts, he's actually he's seeing it in real time now. Whereas you look at some, like I said, some of these young quarterbacks, you can tell they're still a step behind. Instead of uh, coming and throwing a ball on timing, they're waiting on that receiver to come open. They're uh, staying in a pocket just a split second too long and they're getting sacked, where if they would have let that ball go on faith, knowing they were seeing what they were seeing, they would have been a completion rather than a you know seven, eight-yard sack. So the thing for Murray is just that. And I will say this as well. The same goes for Kingsbury. Kingsbury is actually seeing the game on the fly now. Right. Ahead of what, you know, we always joke out here, the last couple of years, it was like something was happening and Kingsbury was trying to make the decision after it happened. 
and you can see the papers over there almost shaking, and it's like because that clock, the second the ball is placed, all of a sudden that forty second clock, you look up and it's like 13, 12, 11. Yeah, it's too late to be making the decisions by then. You have to be ahead of the game. What I'm seeing with Cliff, he's actually out there mastering it right now, where he's thinking a play or two ahead of situations, and that just like for your quarterback is gravy for your head coach when he's starting to see things before they happen and also start planning for three plays down. If we get to this situation and it's third and one or fourth and one, what are we going to do down in distance, you know, yardage that, et cetera, et cetera. Or do we have a trick play up our sleeve with that? We've been saving as far as a fake punt or whatever it is. These are the decisions you have to make ahead of time. And it's almost like being able to read the future, but you're looking at two or three different futures. And I'm seeing that with Kip Kingsbury. And I'm also seeing Kyler, like I said, being able to uh, almost like the matrix, read this stuff as it's uh, being coded you know, right down the screen. It sounds like they're both on schedule, right, in their development. All right, Greg, I know you got a question. Go ahead and fire away. Ed, I do. What's going on, man? Um, hey, Greg, good to see you, man. Yeah, man, good seeing you. You've given Kingsbury a lot of praise. Uh, you know, he's in his third year, uh, five and ten, eight and eight, now eight and one. Uh, we're a little bit different on our head coach, and I've been trying as much as I can since we've had him <laughs> to, to get that feeling like you have a Kingsbury. Now, you said something a moment ago that kind of struck me, and you were like, you're finally starting to see what people were talking about. Uh, I think there's a lot of differences between the Panthers and the Cardinals, obviously, with what the organization has done and where they put the positions they put themselves in. Um, but rules in a similar situation right now, I don't think we'll finish eight and eight. From your opinion on the outside looking in, based on where we're at, is it time for us to give up a Matt rule? Or should we take that Kingsbury approach like you had and say, okay, give it a minute, wait and see? Because I don't think we're in the same position y'all are in or that Kingsbury was in. I don't think rule has the same uh, talent or opportunities that y'all did, that Kingsbury did. Exactly. Decisions, you know? Great great analysis. The thing is, you have to look at not just where you're at, but where you've been and where you think you're going. And in this situation, Rule is kind of playing with an unfair deck to a certain degree. You go out and you get a Sam Darnold. He is, in my opinion, he's not the answer. Oh, he's and awful. That's okay. He he's awful. God awful. And – with that being said, you know, you look at where we were just a couple years or so ago. We had um, – who was it? We went out and drafted Rosen, and we were in – you know, and obviously they brought Kingsbury in. Imagine if they didn't make that bold decision to go get uh, Kyler Murray. He exactly. would be playing with bad ingredients just like Rule is right now. So to a certain degree and, – and here's the thing. I look at the frustration of Rule, and I'm watching his press conference, and I've actually mentioned it in our – uh, uh, our podcast was it yesterday? I was like, man, you could just see the frustration on his face. And yeah, and as fans, yeah, as fans, you guys are like, man, what are we going to do? And you want to put a lot of it on rule, but at the same time, like I said, when you when you got when your quarterback is thrown to the defense, like you guys are wearing the same jersey. I mean, it makes it hard for anybody to to manage that situation. And I can tell he's at the kind of breaking point with Donald. He's still trying to be positive. I would just trust you guys when you here's the thing. When it looks good, it looks halfway decent. It's not it's not horrible. Mm-hmm. Am I correct? It looks well no nah, it's well yeah it did for a moment but yeah. we felt like we we got we got given fool's gold. Yeah. Because now we've had two games where it looks like 
nobody knows anything. Like they like they ain't never played football before. And that's part of because when your quarterback is playing that bad, it's hard to overcome that. Everybody looks bad when you're throwing the ball to the other team. They're taking pick sixes back. Uh, you're on your starting drives. Next thing you know, he's either putting it on the ground or tossing it to the other team. It's very demoralizing and deflating. And some of the results can be kind of camouflaged because of, and we all know football is a total team game. But when you're that bad on that side of the ball, it makes everything else. So you can overcome special teams sometimes. You can, you see what Kansas City does as far as how bad their defense is. When they were really, really, really bad, you always had the possibility that Mahomes and them on the other side could bring them back. When you're that bad offensively, it is, I mean, it is, it, it's so exaggerated. What I would tell you, gentlemen, is the solution is not to get rid of rule, but at some point they're going to have to make a decision on Darnold. And the problem with that decision, you're already too far into it. You gave up on last year in terms of possibly drafting somebody or at least finding a better yeah, Justin gap. Fields. Yeah, you look and you could have had that. Um, and, you know, at this point, you just have to hope that it doesn't get as bad as it looks like it can get. We get through the season and they figure it out, whether it's free agency wise, which is not a lot of old, not a whole lot of quarterbacks to go grab in free agency. But if you have to go draft a dude, maybe there's one out there that could become your Justin Fields or your, uh, you know, dude down in yeah. um, a big ask in a thin class yeah it's like we put all of our success off for an you know for one or two more seasons you know if we're gonna draft a quarterback one you're hoping that there's a good enough quarterback there right now matt corral uh matt corral and malik wills are the two big names in college right now coming out then you have to hope that you're picking high enough to get one of those guys um and you know and uh, the other thing is, and I've been telling this to all of our Panther fans who will listen, it's either you draft a quarterback or you're going to spend so much capital trading for one of the big names, one of the big three names that are rumored to be on the market next season, either Deshaun Watson and all his mess, Aaron Rodgers, if he still wants out in Green Bay, and Russell Wilson, if for whatever reason he wanted out of Seattle and in either of those scenarios, you're giving up more than one first round pick. You're giving up players and the Panthers only have one pick in the top 100 Mm -hmm. this, this next draft. So, uh, and that's on top of, we still need so much offensive line help that this offensive line is just porous and it has been for a long time. So it's like, we have so many needs, so many mouths to fill but just not enough time and not enough resources to to actually make it happen. How about this? And no, no one is under the illusion that the Panthers are going to beat the Cardinals this Sunday. We're just hoping <laughs> that y'all don't go off too hard on us, man. Well, uh, real quick, Cody, I'll tell you, your, your description to me sounds like, and I hate to say this, fellas, don't, don't, don't hate me, sounds like the true rebuild, bruh. It's oh, like, yeah. So that's why yeah. we've been so upset. We are, we're so upset because we feel like we uh, put it off an additional year. Yeah. So, like, yeah. now we're in Matt Rule's second year where it could end so badly that we're strangely uh, concerned or not even concerned. We like we didn't think he could get fired before year three. Like, we didn't think that could be a case. But it's come 
uh, we've been where we took one step forward and three steps back, as Cody said, uh, on their post game show. And that's the problem. Now we got to figure out if we go and get another quarterback, we prolong it another year. And then we might find out that it was the quarterback and the coach <laughs> and this. So we do have one question about, uh, or I have a question is that, um, Matt Rule is uh, is the college coach that came to town, right? Like Cliff's, Cliff Kingsbury was. Uh, very little experience for Matt Rule and his staff in the NFL, right? Is that he had he's had a little bit of experience. Joe Brady sat in the same room as uh, Sean Payton for a year, uh, but overall, this team, even like the from the assistant coaches down, have not had a ton of NFL experience. What type? And we've wondered. Was it kind of risky for Matt Rule to bring in a play caller who didn't have any experience in the NFL at all? Was it kind of risky? Like everybody is new. It's not just him. Everybody's new. What type of coaches did Cliff Kingsbury surround himself with uh, and how are they grown alongside of him? I think he did a pretty good job, especially knowing that he was light in the industry, meaning he came from the college background uh, very little experience. You know, you bring Vance over here as your defensive coordinator. He's got some other veteran guys around him. And that was a sign that he kind of realized and knew, you know, I don't need a bunch of my buddies around me. I need dudes that know what they're doing uh, probably in some instances just as much, if not more than I do. And then I'll grow into the position. The one thing I will say is it took, you know, a lot of head coaches especially – you know, very sensitive and and they always want to try to be the smartest dude in the room. And it's hard to admit or to put a staff together that maybe you don't have the most experience or maybe they're dudes, you know, you think I remember Vance was a head coach for even just, even just for a hot minute at a cup of coffee as a head coach, but he was a head coach. So there were other, you know, there were instances where that might've been threatening to some coming into the position. I will, you know, the thing with, with rule is I think he – I don't look at him and see someone who's over his skis right now. I think, you know, we talked earlier about the game moving too fast sometime for some. It doesn't look like it's moving too fast for him. What I think for the most part is that he's working with inferior ingredients. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's one of those things where superior coaches who've been there – like think about this, Belichick – is making flank steak right now, not necessarily tastes like filet mignon, but some type of T-bone or something like that. You think about what he lost in Brady. You know, you go out and get Mac Jones. We all thought Mac Jones, eh, you know, serviceable, but, you know. But here they are. They're making it work according to their plan, and that's all about a coach being comfortable, um, you know, having the experience to figure out game plans according to what he has on his roster. The thing with Rule, I think Rule, you know, and what tricks you sometimes, you get off to that good start, and it's like, hey, man, this is working. And, you know, hey, we're – and then other teams start making the adjustments, you know, minus your McCaffrey's and different things. You still have that same game plan, and now you're starting to realize with our inferior quarterback, our inferior running game, our inferior defense at this point, our game plans, we need to figure something out. This is a case – where I would expect rule, and sometimes it's hard for coaches to come out of their shell, but in these instances sometimes you see how bad Darnold is playing, right? Maybe we might have to get a little more creative and a little more exotic with the things that we're doing. Darnold is not He's going to be done. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be P.J. Walker time because of this mysterious shoulder injury. 
And even at some point, you get to a point where it's like, okay, let's, I'm not going to say let's throw everything to the wind, but hey, maybe we start doing a little more trickery and, and different things. Let's get creative with something. Look at what's going on up in Detroit. Campbell is not even an offensive guy, but they came out a couple weeks or so ago against the Rams, and they were like, man, we're going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. It might be that time period now with Carolina. You're not going to line up. It's almost like getting ready to square off against a dude that you know is going to whoop your tail, right? Hey, I got to be a little creative, man. If I got to go with the sweep of the legs and different things, that might be the only way to keep from getting my behind whooped, you know? And that's what, that's what I'm looking for with Rule and the organization. You're looking at Darnold, and you now know we might not be able to go toe-to-toe with anybody moving forward, but I tell you what, we can trick them and we can try to, you know, pull a three-card money on them and do whatever we have to do to at least make this thing close. So now I'm looking for the creativity and the willingness to say, hey, we're going to do whatever we got to do to try to secure a victory because, like I said, standing toe-to-toe in the middle of the ring, we've seen what that's gotten you guys over the last few weeks. And if you continue on that pace, man, you're going to be looking at a lot of L's to finish out this season. I love that comparison to MMA, too. There's so many different <laughs> ways to win. And you have to know the game plan, man. Styles make fights. And if, yes, you're, going out, if you're going out there fighting a, a, a savage Muay Thai knockout artist, yeah, you might <laughs> want to shoot for some takedowns and wrap up. Um, but listen, we kind of alluded to it earlier, man. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about it. I'm a huge Clemson Tiger fan. And listen, you know, the Carolina Panthers – um, right before that draft, uh, Luke Kingsley had retired. So I'm pounding the table, man. We just lost a superstar linebacker. We need to draft Isaiah Simmons. We need this guy to be our linebacker of the future. And we let him right by us. And he goes one pick later right to you guys. And uh, I know a lot of people were even kind of critical of Isaiah Simmons in his rookie year talking about some misses and some misassignments and um, just not being at the right place at the right time. From what I've heard, he has made a tremendous jump in his second year. Tell me a little bit about what they're doing better with Isaiah Simmons and how they're using him um, in your defense and just overall what has led to his um, ability to thrive now with Arizona. The one thing that everybody kind of poo-pooed last year, Cody, was the fact that there was no offseason. There were no OTAs. You know, these guys, rookies especially, coming into a league with no preseason games, and here we go. We're just going to throw you out there and go get it. And for anybody, and I think I might even said this to you guys on the show last year, imagine getting on a treadmill uh, going at the speed of 12 with an incline of 12 in addition. You're just not going to be able to catch up to it. And yeah. what I saw last year from Isaiah was, man, he was in over his head as far as trying to learn a playbook, learn the speed of the game, the physicality of the game, what it takes to study in this league. I imagine, you know, and I, I did it myself. I didn't have a buffer of even college. I remember getting into the NFL and looking at the playbook and the different assignments and the different versions of what one play could be and the different calls and this and that and the other thing. Man, you know, it can make you second-guess yourself, you know, in the worst of ways. And the problem with being a young linebacker on the field, if you're out there thinking even for one split second, that's when a dude is giving you a double move or an in-and-out, and and there's a linebacker, all of a sudden he's beating you across your face 
going up the middle of the field, and that can look so bad. For yeah. Isaiah, he is simply caught up to the game in terms of – and I'm not saying he's mastered it yet, but he had a season of taking his bumps and bruises. He's had a season of looking through that playbook. Um, he's had a season of them putting him in different situations and basically better prepared. And then, like I said, you put it all together, and Vance has been very creative with how he's using him. Isaiah, you, you can say he's – a linebacker, but you can always say sometimes it's a safety. Uh, yeah. I've seen, you know, I've seen him with his hand on the ground before. And this dude, I'll tell you this much, fellas, you missed out because he's playing downhill. And that's the one thing I didn't see last year that was, like, killing me. I was like, man, stick your nose in there. But yeah. he, was so, he was so confused. And I'm thinking, you know, you can only understand how rough it was for him. Man, he is putting his hat in places that he wasn't last year. And – that's exactly what Vance and this offense need. And then, we, you know, we go out and get other pieces. But, man, I'm telling you, he is literally – you can tell he's more confident. He knows where he's supposed to be. And his ability is now even being able to make up for those mistakes because nothing's perfect out there. Maybe he's in the wrong spot for a split second and realize it. I've seen him covering tight ends. I've seen him covering backs out of the backfield. Yeah. I've seen him filling holes in the A-gap, B-gap. I've seen him get around the edges to get out of quarterback. These are all the different things that because everything is getting a little more uh, – he's catching up to everything, and now he's letting his ability react instead of being caught out, you know, like I said, trying to kind of counteract. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I've seen with Isaiah, and it has to hurt when you guys saw him right there. Uh, uh, you your hand, uh, it, it, you know, it was like – We've all been there before. You were still in hurts. high school, right? You were mm-hmm. in high school. You were going to ask that girl to the dance, right? And you were just mustering up enough courage. I'm going to ask her at sixth period in lunch. And you found out by the time you got to sixth period, your best friend in the fifth period. Oh, already asked her. And you're like, damn. You know, if you just got off the seat and went and got it. But it was too late. I know, man. And I've always said about Isaiah. I mean, I've watched him his entire time at Clemson. He was always growing into his own body and his own physical ability. It's like his mind, you know, sometimes needed a little bit of time to catch up with what he's capable of doing. And, man, now it's like that versatility that you just mentioned, uh, the ability to be that true max linebacker, but then in the same set of downs, hey, they can put him on a tight end. Or, hey, they might have him hang back at free safety and let that – Four three speed just close in on the football, man. I'm telling you that kind of talent, you don't come around that very often, man. And I and think the thing that, about the thing about him, he is a piece. Uh, he's a great piece of the puzzle. Meaning, you put him in the right situation, you continue to surround him with other things, which we've done, which you guys could very well done. But like, he's not the entire answer to the puzzle. But I'm telling you, man, he works so good at what they're asking him to do and his ability. It's like a perfect match within this defense so far. Yeah. Crazy, so, okay. Yeah, so a couple of things. First and foremost, I, I know the the thought is that we'd feel a little bit upset that Isaiah Simmons – I'd be more upset if we didn't get a Jeremy Chen in his place that is basically Isaiah Simmons 2.0. In a couple of different fa- factors, like he does exact, he's a very, very fast. He plays very physical. He is safety. <laughs> What'd you say? We could have had both of them. Man. We could have had. No, 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 no. We no, could have no. drafted Isaiah but, but, and then drafted Jeremy. 
but we've got a defensive tackle in Derek Brown that has been eating uh, eating blocks, who has been getting tackles for losses. I'm not upset with who we decided to go with, but I did feel like we needed to address one thing, and that is um, right now your defense took a step forward this year. Um, even with the and forgive me if you guys talked about it with the depart, you know, with the departing Hassan Reddick. Right. And, and, and so uh, before right now, you guys are, I think if I'm not mistaken, you guys are somewhere in the ballpark of third. Uh, yeah, this is what it says here. Ranked third in points allowed and fourth in yards per game. So you guys are doing very good as a defense because you have a lot of different moving parts. Um, and like you said, it's a, a puzzle piece that you guys have put together. Um, Hassan Reddick. I mean, do you feel like you guys made a mistake letting him go? I mean, he is leading the NFC in total sacks. I mean, what do you, what is your your thoughts on how he's been, uh, uh, you know, performing, uh, having left the the Cardinals? Because he did yeah. a great job last year. Yeah, and that's a great question. The thing is, you have to look at the results of what you have. What we, you know, like I said, minus Reddick. You know, you, you sometimes you think, well, wow, we would be even better if he was here. Now, sometimes it's a matter of fit. And obviously, we know the NFL is all about contract and money, and you know who mm-hmm. who wants that next paycheck. I applaud the organization for having, I guess, the guts to a certain degree to say, you know, son, love your service. You know, we're going to go and we're going a different way. And I'll give you another name. Even Jordan Hicks at one point when we brought Isaiah Simmons in here, Jordan Hicks was kind of like almost a forgotten man. They were basically said, you can't even compete for the job for the most part because we're pretty much giving it to, I think it was, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry, Zayvon Collins with his last draft. But what I've seen from this, Cardinals defense in particular, because we're talking about that side of the ball, is, you know, I talked about the puzzle pieces earlier. They have figured out a way to to use every ingredient that we have. I look down our stat sheet every week at the end of the game. We got seven, eight, nine, ten guys with just one tackle apiece, you know, one-fourth, whatever it is. <clears throat> That's when you know your production is – and I look at it, we don't have a dude. Like last year, I, t- I talked to my radio partner earlier today. We did our podcast. I said Buda Baker would end up with 15, 20 tackles because he was the only dude out there tackling. Mm-hmm. You know, this time around, we've got 10 guys doing the work of one with one individual tackle apiece. And then you get your Booters and your Isaiahs and everybody at the top of the, the, the food chain. But I love what we've done, and whether it be a distance by subtraction, whatever it is, uh, and only they know their philosophy. Why they didn't bring Hassan back, and you know whether they why they thought that they could move on. But I mean, you can't deny the results. The results are there. Done, you know, what mm-hmm. we've done so far, in terms of, and here's the thing: it's right now. A lot of times you look at a defense, and we all know, you know, you start the season out. Sometimes it's smoke and mirrors, but you know, at some point that's going to be exposed, or we're gonna, somebody's going to figure that out. With this defense so far. I'm not seeing a lot of smoke and mirrors. I'm seeing dudes getting after it. I'm seeing Vance turning these guys loose and making some really experienced quarterbacks kind of second-guess themselves, and that's a great thing. Uh, and like I said, I, I love the what they've done so far, you know, because at the beginning of the year, everybody thought Chandler Jones had five sacks in one first game. He's going to have like 60 this season. Eh, you know, teams start to focus on him and take him away. But we've had so many other guys step up in the place of, and the good thing is it's from game to game. It's not, you know, like month to month. We have one dude that will show out this week. You might not hear from him for a couple, but there's other guys stepping up in his place, and I'm really liking what I'm seeing so far. 
I tell you, um, Hassan Reddick has been a great player for us. He's been the only guy that has played every week and like yeah. showed uh, like come in and put stats up. My last question for you, and then I'll get everybody else to get their last ones in, is um, it's a kind of a selfish question. Um, well, I'm in this fantasy football keeper league, and I won the Super Bowl last year. I won the Super Bowl last year, and now I'm in the hangover. Like, um, and this is this crazy keeper league. I'm I'm playing with guys that are way better than me. I picked Alvin Kamara four years ago, and I kept him for my max. Like, I picked him in the 14th round, and that's the reason I won four years later because of that pick. Uh-huh. So I'm in I'm in rebuild mode. And one of the guys that I picked deep, deep in this draft with the future in mind uh, is a guy that I watched his YouTube highlights, and he was awesome. So I was like, this is going to work. Uh, no, Ron Delmore, tell me about this kid, and what do you think his future could be in Arizona? Because I'm counting on him to give me some points, not this year, but next year and beyond. And, and that is a great keeper, I think. Rondell. He is. I, I watched him during the offseason or during the preseason games, and what they did with Rondell, unlike anybody else on our roster, you know, our starters, D-Hop never took a snap. Kyler didn't take a snap. A.J. Green didn't take a snap. In the reverse, uh, Rondell was out there getting it in, man, and they were feeding him. And I thought his role from watching what I saw during the preseason, I was like, man, they are going to take this dude and use him like you can't imagine every which way but loose. What's happened is the offense, obviously, they got the regular the starters back in there. They're using him moderately, but I do think they have future plans for him because of the dynamics of his ability. And this dude, I'll tell you right now, he's got some dog in him. Uh, you know, you see some guys who are kind of undersized in the league, and you can tell they know they're undersized. Rondell, he's undersized, but he, he thinks he's a pit bull, man. And that's definitely what you want in one of your dudes that's not necessarily the biggest dude, but he's not afraid to go pick a fight with the biggest dog out there on the on, on the grass. And I like that about him. And what I also like is he's almost like a secret weapon right now, meaning I think Kyler or Cliff Kingsbury is still trying to figure out, you know, whether it be some of those uh, motion screens or um, the handoffs and things like that. He's still trying to figure out how do I unleash this dude on everybody. And at some point, I guarantee you, he's got some things sitting and waiting. Yeah, special teams, special teams monster. So he's like, he's staying active. So it's not like he's just over there sitting. So, and then you're right, as man, deep in the season, I could see him stepping in and making some big plays. Well, you know, the thing, obviously, uh, Hopkins is always a hamstring away from missing a couple games. We have Christian Kirk. You know, AJ Green, he, you know, he could retire in the middle of a route, or he could get hurt, you know, taking his socks off or something like that. You just never know. So, Rondell is, he, I mean, he's in prime position. I think he is not necessarily the present right now, but he is the, right. future. He's the future. I agree. I like it. All right. Any last question, guys, for Ed? Because we've taken up a ton of his time so far. Get him in while the mic is hot. Greg, anybody, your time. Cody, you're muted, by the way. All right. Yep, there he is. is. I'm good. I appreciate it. It's just great talking to you. All right, yeah. No, I was – yeah, I was trying trying to to, – Passing here. (laughs) I I was trying to ask you what you think of this this game. Do you think the Cardinals are going to put up 40 on the Panthers or just uh, what's your overall prediction for this game? A lot of that will have to do whether Kyler plays. Obviously, we saw what Colt 
can do as far as mastering the not mastering, but being the the, the uh, a prime backup quarterback and gets you definitely a victory. Uh, I think he can obviously do that against Carolina. My thing with this game, regardless of whether Kyler plays or not, I think we're going to not necessarily rely on, but we can always hold faith that Sam might, if Sam is still the starter. And I said the other, I said yesterday, man, I'm hoping he's a starter. We we want Sam because <laughs> Sam, yeah. we saw last week, he'll give you one or two, not not necessarily pick six, but he'll drop one in the deep end of your. Uh, uh, you know, zone, and, you know, that makes for an easy score, too. Um, I do think, you know, McCaffrey's back in, but he's going to be on a pitch count still. I th- Look at what our defense did going on the road to San Fran, and, we, you know, with what we might be able to do against your offense. This game should be, and I always preface it by every game in the NFL, nothing is given. You have to go out there and get it. You know, we, we had a few weeks ago – we go over to Jacksonville and we're thinking, man, they're going to mop the floor with them. Man, it was like five to something at the half. You know, we were behind or whatever it was. So as long as we take this game serious and realize that, you know, we're building something special here and you can't give any away, we should have total control. Somebody put on your screen, Cardinals 99. <laughs> I won't go that far, but I'm thinking, like I said, with, with Sam being as generous as he is, this is one of those 34 – to 16 games, you know, something like that. 16, and we wow. should, I'm, you know, uh, you know, maybe a late score for you guys. I'm just trying to make yeah, it as garbage generous time. as possible. <laughs> He's a nice this, guy. You don't <laughs> have to be so nice. <laughs> this is a game that the Cardinals would be very disappointed if they lost. And that's saying a lot considering, you know, we've not been a team that all of a sudden now we're supposed to and, ex- and should be expecting to win. But all of a sudden this season, it feels like that is the case. Yeah. Ed, we haven't scored a touchdown 12 quarters. I don't suspect <laughs> us to break that against the, the best I know. <laughs> well, now we don't have Sam Darnold. Who knows? Exactly. Um, Sam Darnold will not be the quarterback this week. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> what's going down at uh, 10 uh, and believe in Cardinals podcast on 1060 a.m. this week, Ed? Well, we got the show, the Easy Sports Talk show on 1060 a.m. every week. We'll be chopping everything up from Cardinals to, you know, we got our son's action and, uh, you know, a little bit of everything going on out here. And then uh, we have the podcast every week as well, the Believe in the Cardinals podcast, which you can see on the Believe uh, Network. And if you want to follow our show, the Easy Sports Talk, uh, you can uh, do that on the uh, Facebook page, the Easy Sports Talk. And uh, like I said, follow us on Twitter as well. And I uh, said, so we just try to have a good time like you guys do, man. And, you know, I, if I was there, since I'm, let's put it this way, since I'm not there, I'm giving all you fellas a virtual hug because I know what you're going through. <laughs> I Send appreciate it, man. Thanks, you, Ed. This is why you're one of our favorite guests. <laughs> Keep the face and don't give up, fellas. This, you know, like I said, this, I know it's rough when you're right in the middle of it, but yeah. think about this. Just a few years ago, we were where you guys were, and you never know. Like you, somebody mentioned earlier, hope springs eternal. That's Ed Smith at Ed Smith Speaks on Twitter. Believe in Cardinals podcast. Thanks, Ed. We'll catch up with you in the future. You got it, man. Anytime. You guys have a good one. Later, Ed. All right. Um, you know, it is, uh, it's nice. Do you know if you go and read his website, like in his bio, um, he is like uh, also a speaker, right, and things. And it says he believes it's like to something to the fact like he believes in every individual, like in their opportunity for success. And you could just feel that like is that 
He's believing in the except Panthers' future, except for <laughs> Sam Darnold. Yeah, except for Sam Darnold, you would have to be crazy. Like he walks out that. of that. Yeah. He was like they call in Ed Smith to do the pregame speech, and he walks in there and gets everybody. Like I believe in all y'all. Believe in all y'all. And they walk out. He said, "Believe in you, poor Sam." And they walk out. He goes, "Man, I didn't mean that last one." <laughs> um. All right. Uh, let's see. Hey, you want to do some cat calls? Yeah, um, think about this as we pull up the next call. Um, O-line injuries. Hey, uh, two guys on. Right? Yeah, two uh, two players placed. Matt Paradis and Cam Irvin placed on IR, so we'll get to see new. Fun, fun thing is you wanted to see something different, Carolina. You get to see a different offensive line every week. what you wish for. <laughs> every week. You know, Mike, uh, you <laughs> it's one of those it's like my mother when when i was young she get uh she would get st- whenever she was like stressed which was all the time because she's we're italian um she, later she moved furniture around in her house like she'll rearrange all the furniture in the living room like all right. the time Man, like every week it's different and uh my dad would always joke because he's not like from the same background and he's like if i was a blind man i'd be dead well, you can't know where everything's at. I know. Well, guess what? We have no idea where the Carolina Panthers are at. Uh, and nope. I tell you one thing is, man, you, you got to wonder who they're going to leave in Arizona when they go there. Um, yeah, let's get into the cat calls. The number is 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Let us know what you thought about the Mac Jones play, Dan. Um against brian burns uh we have not heard anything from the league that i've heard but i've heard a lot of feedback from patriots fans about our coverage of the event go to our youtube page check out the clip from our post game show that i made which if i had better computer i would do this way way more often because it takes so long on my slow ass machine but uh is mac jones a dirty player and guess what surprise 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 all of their fan base says that this is whiny, that this wasn't even a legal play, this wasn't dirty, and I don't... You know what? Why am I surprised? Cheaters stick together. Mm-hmm. They stick together. Mm-hmm. The number's 252-228-5098. Podcast brothers, how y'all doing? What's up, Mark G? T-A. Hey, man. Okay, we made it to Tuesday. I know that, that <laughs> damn horrible game Sunday. We're stepping back off the ledge. <laughs> Excuse me, still on you guys is on everybody's mind, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, let the shit go. You get Arizona this damn Sunday. And everybody is saying that we're gonna get our asses kicked. But in reality, the way I look at it, we have had Arizona's number for the last past couple of years, man. You know, cause honestly, <laughs> honestly, the last time they beat us was two thousand and thirteen. So it's been a while, man. It's been a while. I know their defense is fucking stacked. Their offense is good as hell, too, man. You know, I want to see what the hell is this damn quarterback situation. What's what's going to happen? You know, because now Sam Darnold needs an MRI. And you guys' opinion, you think that Matt Rule rushed Sam Darnold back into the lineup after that damn concussion? I think he fucking did. I really think he did, man. And another damn question. Do you believe Matt Rule and Scott Fenner? Finner are yes men. Do you really think they're yes men? I don't know, man. I do not know, man. Because something has to fucking change. If they got to put PJ Walker in, hey, 
I'd rather see him than Sam Darnold. I'm dead serious, man. Even though he garbage, he needs to slow down a little bit. He plays too damn quick, you know. But give me your thoughts on that. Hey, are they yes men? Hey, are we going to beat the Cardinals? Let me know, y'all. Keep pounding. I think uh, here's the thing is that uh, there is the old adage, obviously, that any given Sunday, like Al Pacino could do the speech and, uh, you know, anything could happen in theory. But right now there is zero or I would say there's very, very little evidence that the Panthers are getting better from week to week Um, at any any level. And as the injuries pile up, as new players come in, as the coaches stock falls, uh, you know, it just seems like we could we might wish that there is a way. Now, you know, when we but I don't know when we asked Ed about the the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is uh, has basically surrounded himself with people who are experienced, right? Yeah, to a well, to a certain degree. And I had there. There, I had their coaching staff pulled up. Go ahead. So let's talk about the fact that let's look at the Panthers, for instance, right? Matt Rule surrounded himself with a guy, at least on the defense, that was experienced, who's had a lot of history, uh, just being able to scheme defenses, right? And what is the best part of our entire team? Bar none. Yeah, right? it's, it's the definitely defense. the defense. Yeah. Now, like to be going. to that extent. Right. Let's go ahead and take a step backwards and also look at what we're dealing with. We have a stacked defensive line. We have a incredible secondary now that we've added a couple of di- uh, different additions. Um, we have Jeremy Chin. We have Shaq Thompson, who's actually turning it on. But I think you have to be able to put some of that on onto uh, onto Phil Snow because Shaq Thompson wasn't playing to his potential until Phil Snow got here. Um, you know, Dante Jackson was okay, but like, I feel like this year he has taken a major step forward. Now the past few games, I feel like Dante Jackson has been kind of missing in action a little bit, but, um, missing in action, Jackson. Um, and, uh, that being said, like that, the defense is definitely our, our best part. Now let's look at this. What is their offensive coordinator? It's, uh, well, it's really, um, Cliff Kingsbury. But he was right. a coach he's, prior, right? Yeah, he's the head coach. No, well, he was a college head coach. So he comes in, he takes over the whole squad, and then they have um, – and, and he's going to be their offensive guy. Like, that's actually the recipe a lot of people think is a good one, right? right? Is because, say – that's why people are actually like, oh, Joe Brady should be quarterback. Because if Joe Brady really is off, awesome, he's going to leave and become a head coach. Right. And that's the thing is so you bring in the head coach, offensive guy who will stick around no matter what. And the guys who then he has to just worry about surrounding him with guys that are competent at their job, particularly right. on defense. And if you look at this, is that <coughs> uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, 16 years of experience, Wait, former, yeah, he is a former uh, head NFL coach. head coach. Yeah. Right. So I mean, it was look, one year. It was one stay, year, but he had it. And all coordinators. Stay okay. there, the coordinators for me. My point being is every one of his, like the people that are his people that are surrounding him are experienced majorly, like f- 15 years in coaching experience, right? Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury is the youngest on that entire squad right there. And he at least had an opportunity to prove himself beyond just being an assistant 
of some sort, right? That's the problem that I have with the way that our, our, our team is set up right now. Joe Brady should have never been hired for a rebuild, period. Like, no question about it. Like, Matt Rule, okay, we can go ahead and bring him in. He has experience. In re- yes, it might have been in college, but he has experience rebuilding and coaching and everything at a high level at a head coaching position, right? Joe Brady did not. Joe Brady has had no experience outside of, like, even if you want to look at his NFL experience, it was so minimal. Like, and then his, like, he was a passing game coordinator. I know it may seem like we're trying to diminish what he's done, but I mean, I think it's fair to assume, like, I, I think it's important that we make the distinction. The weakest part of our entire offense is our, like, our entire team is our offense. And I think that doesn't, it doesn't bode well that our offense, again, this is exactly what I was talking about. Ed alluded to it. You've got to be creative when you don't have the pieces that are that are that should fit together. When you know that you have a weakness in the offensive line, when you know that maybe your quarterback isn't the greatest, you've got to get creative. And Joe Brady has done nothing to show that he is capable of doing something beyond what Madden suggests they should do on first down, second down or third down. Joe Brady is not the guy and he has not proven yet. And I think that he needs to go back and actually have an opportunity to prove himself at a level that's not so intense. Right now, I think the problem is, I don't think he's going to get better in this environment. He needs to go back and get, may, you know, kind of take another step forward uh, other places. Joe Brady is not it, and he needs to be moved on. I tell you, if you do look at the experience, that's interesting when it comes to almost everybody, is if you here, wait until you see the Panthers. Now, we don't list the years of experience, but just take a look at these guys' faces. All right. And particularly some important coaches, right? Is that obviously you got the young Cliff Kingsbury, the genius. You've got uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph, who is in his, you know, kind of in the prime of work time. Like this dude can mm-hmm. put in hours because he's like not too, too old. He's not too, you know, too young. He's been there, been around the block. Run game coordinator, 14 years. Uh, you drop down here, wide receivers coach, 16 years experience. Just look at his face. Right. Well, actually, he's kind of a funny picture. Uh, offensive assistant, 26 years. James Saxon. Look at this. I go to battle for James Saxon, 21 years old. This guy looks he tough looking. Uh, you go down to defense here. You got Brenton, Bu- Brenton, Brenton Buckner, former Carolina Panther. Uh, and Clemson, Clemson, former Clemson player. Bill Shout Davis, linebackers man. coach, 26 years of experience. Look, their, de- their secondaries coach, their defensive back coach says 30 years cornerback uh coach 12 years now look at this i want to look at the pictures because we don't list it panthers coaching staff and for the carolina panthers so we don't list their years of experience but matt rule look at this look at these faces on the offensive side of the ball right they don't look like now we get here pat meyer and I, you know what? Just because he's old, he might be the one of the worst coaches on this set. Look, <laughs> these guys don't look like they've really been good. around the block. On top of that, look at the defensive staff. They all look new. Actually, Don Johnson, whoever he is, he looks, he looks all right. Don Johnson from Miami. What was that? Miami Vice? Uh, look at these babies. Look at these children. I wonder if there's anything to that with the Carolina Panthers. Um uh, you know, it's maybe you tried to do too many things new at once. <clears throat> That's the problem. That's what I said. Like, 
Like when you're talking about a rebuild, you need to bring like a rebuild is not a matter of like, let's go experimenting. Right. Like, okay, let's go ahead and go somewhere else. Like if we're going to bring in a new head coach, who's never coached at a head coaching position in the NFL, but has had opportunities uh, to coach at a head coaching in college and actually has a proven track record of rebuilding. Like Matt rule has six years of head coaching experience before he in, in college, before he moved over Joe Brady has one successful season on a stacked team in LSU underneath the offensive coordinator as the passing game coordinator, right? Like was not even like the mastermind. They want, again, it's, it, it was easy for them to kind of give him as much credit as possible because it was an incredible year, but let's also keep in mind. He wasn't the guy calling the shots. Like he wasn't sitting there making the decisions. And now that he is, we're seeing what he's capable of doing. And it's not much. I don't think he's confident in his play calling. I don't think he's confident in his ability to design plays because what I've seen has been, again, my, you know, very vanilla, and that's a problem. Like I said, I, I'm not trying to sit here and just pile on. I know he's got a lot of people on off of, like off of the bandwagon that Joe Brady was when he first got signed, but at this point in time, the experiment's over. Get him out. Look at this. Um, uh, two things to talk about before we move on. Um, let's just here's an experiment that I did. Right now, I had not prepared this, but I think it's working out. So what? who would be the second? Who would you think is one of the more important coaches on this list on the offense? Obviously, it's Joe Brady. We know his history. Uh, tight ends coach, I don't know. For some reason, because everybody told me that Joe Brady was a super genius because he was the LSU passing offensive pass game coordinator, that that sounds important. So let's go and look at Frisman Jackson's bio here. In 2021, Frisman Jackson enters his second season with the Carolina Panthers and first as offensive passing game coordinator after he was promoted from wide receivers coach, fresh off a record-breaking campaign with the team's catcher and pass catchers last year. We know DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel had productive years. But look at this. Jackson came to Carolina in 2020 after spending the previous two seasons where? At Baylor, Baylor under Coach Matt Rule, where he served as the team's wide receiver coach. So here is what I'm saying is this. Look, his he's had two year he spent two seasons as a wide receivers coach uh with in Temple. So he's been with uh so look, guess what? You know what? Matt Rule is bringing his dudes. Look, let's see if he has any NFL experience. He played for the Browns for 3 years, 4 years, and he has coached entirely Oh, he was with the Tennessee Titans in 2017. One year, and he got fired. Yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting thing right there <clears throat> is um, maybe there's something to that. Oh, the last point I got to make on this is that the most success Sean McVay has had was when Wade Phillips was his defensive coordinator. Now, I'm not saying that that's the best that the Rams defense has been in that entire time. But when they made that Super Bowl run, which actually I would say this is that wouldn't your Super Bowl appearance be your best season? Right. 
So in their best season, in a early season, wasn't Sean McVay a first or second year coach? And then was, uh, uh, at yeah, that point, year, I think. And Wade Phillips, an old hat, right, who has seen everything that the NFL could do, was taking responsibility of that defense. Now, I'm not saying Phil Snow is essentially this young spring chicken. That's the problem. But wonder if throughout the coaching staff, there is too much inexperience at the pro level of how to engage with these players, how this season works, the rigors of it. They are having to learn everything. I mean, my problem is, is not even like to that extent, right? I mean, like at least that guy has uh, the past 14 years of experience uh, coaching in some manner, right? And, and doing what he's doing now. Like he's a, he was a wide receivers coach for all of those years, right? It's not like, and he's being, he's been promoted to his current position a couple of times while he was at Baylor. He got that, you know, you know, I guess that passing game coordinator promotion and he just got it this year. Right. So, I mean, I'm not even upset with that. My, my problem is, is again, is Joe Brady. Like, I mean, outside of everything, like I'm talking about the guys, the guys that, that Matt rule has surrounded himself that are going to be the, the basically the way I would look at it. You have the CEO, you have the CFO, you have like those guys, the people on the board that are below the CEO that he then trickles down this, his, his like, Hey, listen, I need you to get these guys ready. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Those guys, like those guys, the one person that I know, I mean, Chase Blackburn, we can debate on his, he, he, you know, again, maybe just consistency, special teams, whatever. We, we have a lot of question marks on the special teams anyway, but that those guys, then you have Joe Brady, people with experience, and then Joe Brady. Like, outside of, the, like, let's pull up Joe Brady's history. How about we do that? Because that, I think, is going to be more hysterical. The oldest guy on our team, real quick, is Ed Foley. 30 years coaching experience. And look at this record. Or look at where he's coached at. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. Oh, yeah. All college. <laughs> yeah. Look, goes back. He probably coached Rule at at Penn State. Uh, then, look, Temple, 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 Baylor. Baylor. <clears throat> That's some crazy mess, dude. Yeah. Like, cool. uh, <clears throat> his is what his is, he hasn't. He's the only one that hasn't coached with Dang. Where is he? No, I'm I'm more interested in his 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 actual experience. Oh, it's uh, well, he's only 31, so he can only right. have so much, right? Right. <clears throat> he was a linebackers coach at William and Mary for two years. Then he was a graduate assistant at Penn State, uh, offensive assistant. In... He wasn't even a coach at Penn State. He was a graduate assistant. Yeah. Um, look at this. I mean, very limited experience at the top, at the very top of the offense. And that's even fine if you're young, but wouldn't you want to have guys around you that had uh, been there, done that before? But it really seems like you want to talk about maybe we didn't give this enough um, kind of criticism or scorn or hesitancy. At that moment, because it was like it, a. It was like, oh my God, we got the Sean McVay of college. Oh, no, nah, I was never. I, I will. I, I promise you, I, I, I'm the old I mean, legend. I ain't ever wowed on Joe Brady. But here is that maybe we didn't give enough credence to the idea. Like we hadn't seen, we haven't seen college quarter, uh, 
college coaches transition and have a ton of success in the NFL. There's not a long track record of it. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but not only is Matt Rule a college coach jumping from college to the NFL, his entire staff as college coaches jumping to the NFL. And how about this? None of those Temple or Baylor teams were ever world beater football teams. Right. They, they never won championships. And again, we're playing this nepotism thing where it's like everyone who's ever been at Temple, who's ever been at Baylor, who's ever been a part of Matt Rule's coaching staff, they just come and get a nice, cozy, cushy job. And yeah, no wonder we're playing like a college offense against a bunch of NFL defenses, man. I, I, I think, you know, uh, I, I know that CK has a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, his arrows pointed at Joe Brady. And I get it, man. I'm not trying to rehash the whole Joe Brady thing. But when it comes to coaches, mine are pointed directly at Matt Rule because all of Matt Rule's co- uh, decisions as a head coach have all been terrible for us. Like, what is one good thing that Matt Rule has done as a coach in his time here? Bill Snow. Like, can you, like, I mean, yeah, like, can you name one moment or one thing or one decision yeah, I that he made? Is, I thought it. I thought his first year, I, you know, I thought we were mis, um, not misled, but like the first year, it didn't feel like he was in over his head. I thought that, um, and particularly this in, in a Zoom world, right, is that they didn't have all the team. I thought looked far more competent on both sides of the ball, not both sides of the ball, but yeah, I mean, it got better on defenses that with no parts, and the offense looked far more competent last year uh, in a rookie season for this coach. And it was in an unprecedented, no training camp, no, you know, almost like he did better in that environment. That would I mean, be the only thing. Like, that's the only thing. Uh, I mean, Cody, like, I mean, that's the only thing is that you could, yeah. but there's not like a thing that uh, he gave you a significant advantage on. And this no. is what I always said with Ron Rivera is like, and actually Ron Rivera um, had good moments as a coach. So let's not uh, forget yeah. that. But uh, Ron Rivera, what I always thought about him was, is that he won't lose your games, right? I mean, and he might, but he alone won't win you a game. And that is like, out, like we think Bill Belichick is going to take away something and like ruin you. Um, like does. he gives uh-huh. you, it would almost be like this is what is the over under for the wins, right? right. Um if you took away Ron Rivera with COVID for a week and you took mm-hmm. away Bill Belichick for a week, I bet you the line in Vegas would move more for uh, Belichick. And what I mean is, is that it seems like we are thinking that these guys give them some sort. We think that McVay gives you some sort of advantage. You would think that uh, who is the guy in uh, San Francisco that we were, that people were so, were so high on, um Shanahan gives you this game advantage. I don't know if Rule at this point gives you any advantage. Actually, right. I don't know. I know he does. He hasn't shown anything that does. Uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's more systemic than him. I think this just shows a um a inexperience from his perspective to bring in inexperience. And I don't know if that means that he is a control freak. I don't know if that means he is um, loyal to a fault. 
I don't know if that means if he is threatened by people with experience around him, right? Is that the idea is that there's nobody on this team that is going to be the interim head coach. No, Andrew, that's a great point, man. He didn't bring a lot of experience to the football team. He brought a bunch of guys from college and expected that same success that he had to be able to translate over. And it hasn't. And I think that one of the things that's so upsetting is that we're all kind of learning on the fly who Matt Rule really is as a head coach. And he is in over his head. And again, I kind of think he'll get the benefit of the doubt no matter what. And we're gonna, he's going to be a head coach another year. But I just don't see how this gets better, man. We need more than one offseason mm-hmm. uh, to fix this offensive line and to fix the quarterback position. And what are, do we think that Matt Rule and Joe Brady and Phil Snow are they going to survive more than two more seasons of Phil what Snow, we're yes. of, and Matt Rule? Yes, yeah, I think but I mean, will. but but Phil Snow, Phil. I mean, listen, if we fire Matt Rule, Phil Snow's out the door too. So is Joe Brady. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't I think. think that, like, I don't, I don't think, think we'll get more than one year of, of Matt Rule being I an think, average NFL head coach. I think if he's average, like if we have a step forward next year, he's still going to get a fourth year. Um, I think Joe Brady, here's the thing, and this is why, like my my arrows, you're right. They're pointed heavily at Joe Brady, and it's not Joe Brady's fault, right? It's not. It is entirely, in my mind, one person's fault, and it's one that you and I both have grievances with, Cody, and it's David Tepper. David Tepper is the one that brought Joe Brady. Joe Brady was not a Matt Rule hire. We all know that. He does not fit what Matt Rule does. Like, it's never, like, basically, this was David Tepper sitting there thinking, you know, this, you know, offensive genius that destroyed, you know, the the, the, the league and the Clemson Tigers when they went to the, uh, you know, the college football championships, right? Like, it, it, that's what we saw. He he had a historic year under, uh, you know, with, with Joe Burrow at, at the helm. Joe Burrow had one of the best years as a, as a quarterback in the league, right, or in the, in the, in the college. Uh, and and it, the problem was, is like, that was 100% a Tepper move, 110%, right? And, and, and right now, that's who I have more of a grievance with. I think Matt Rule still has an opportunity to show that he's capable of doing some stuff. Right now, I think we're going to see this year in the draft what type of coach we have. If they actually start going after offensive pieces and in the draft and they make that a priority, then maybe you know we'll we'll start to see that improvement that we're looking for. What I will say, yes, what is one good thing that Matt Rule has done? Um, it's kind of a, a pros and cons to it. The pro was we had one year of Teddy Bridgewater and he cut he cut the ties. Like he didn't sit there and let that bleeding continue. The problem was he replaced him with Sam Darnold. Right. That's it was like he's not afraid to realize, listen, we made the mistake. We need to figure something else out. But uh, like I talked about before, I just feel like we're just in this carousel where we're constantly buying high and and, and selling low. And we're at a loss every time. And we're Mm -hmm. continuing that with now with Sam Darnold and whatever we end up doing, if we go with a first round draft pick for a quarterback um, to try to, you know, fix this. And then we still haven't assessed our or addressed our offensive line. We could ruin a rookie quarterback as well. Yeah. So, See what he did there? See what he did there? Carousel. As I yeah. circled around these, uh, uh, I uh, circled the screen layouts like you, like the Carolina Panthers are rearranging the offensive line. Last night we were, I was on Charlotte Vibes channel and he had it. So 
the person and maybe I could do this right here. Um, say something now, Cody, because let's see if you something. switch to. No, oh, you have to do it. You have to do it. How do you so. do it? How is he making the so? Like, this is how this is how you do a solo layout, and then on something I know like, that, but he was able to do this layout right here, and yeah. whoever was talking, he would make them the central, the big. He could box. have been doing that himself the whole time. Just a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I'm still. I'm just trying to figure it out. I mean, I've used this and I just clicked all the buttons. I don't know what else to click. I feel like I'm in Super Troopers when they tell them to pull over and they say we're already pulled over. Uh, let's go to the cat calls two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. What's going on, CP Nation? This is your boy Jay Anderson hitting y'all up. Man, I just watched. I watched the um, Matt Rule press conference. Look, man, the dude. The dude got to go. He just got to go, man. He got to go back to college. You know, he can go back to college, be a success. Hey, Nick Saban did it. Like, bro, just go back to college. If Penn State job end up opening, man, just just go to Penn State, man, and and, and live your life as a great college, you know, as a great college coach. And he could be a good college coach. I mean, he has proven that, that he can be a good college coach. I mean, live your if you, I mean, just go ahead and be a college head coach, man, and be a face of that program. Because you're not the face of, you shouldn't be, you're not the face of the NFL of the NFL team that he tried to be. You don't want no alpha males in this locker room. He he wants to be the face of the um, Carolina Panthers. Like, dude, get out of here with that. Players are the face of the of the um of the franchise team, not the head coach. So get out of here. Next thing I want to get into is like. The disrespect from the Carolina Panthers when they posted that that banner and cropped out Cam Newton, that is absolutely disrespectful. That's just like if they had yep. posted up a banner. If back in 2014 and Dave Gettleman and all in the Panthers, you know, people, they posted up a banner of the 2003 um, team that went to the um, – that went to the um, Super Bowl Without Steve and they Smith. cropped out and they cropped out Steve Smith. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely disrespectful. I don't know what went on. Like, like it, did 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 Cam Newton and the Cole Tepper had something going on or something yeah, like that? For sure. For, Dave, for David Let's Newton, that rumor going. disrespecting Cam like this because this ain't the first time they disrespected Cam. This ain't the second time they disrespected Cam. They disrespected Cam like. Probably more than five times they have done this. This is absolutely, I mean, just plain disrespectful, man. And for the people that said, you know, y'all need to apologize to Teddy, and fuck y'all, man. That whole, <laughs> man, I, I'm cool. I'm cool with old boy David. You no, know, David is a cool dude, but he needs to stop with that old apologize to Teddy. First of all, we didn't want Teddy in the first place. Teddy should have been go. the Carolina Panther. Ain't got no problem with Teddy, but Teddy shouldn't have been the Panther, uh, a, a Panther in the first place. Good, good call. Like we didn't want him. We wanted to take the season and get Tre- and get Trevor Lawrence or get Justin Fields or get Trey Lance. That's what we wanted to do. But at the same time, we did was uh, like okay since we. Uh, he got cut off there. But, uh, yeah, man, is that the dagger? We talked about the salt in the wound last night. 
as Justin Fields looked uh, like he's progressing. And, and look, some people are going to come and say, oh, uh, he hasn't been fantastic. He only threw over 200 yards one time. He's a rookie. He is uh, like he's not supposed to be great at this point. He's not a fourth year guy like Sam Darnold, who also, is at this is supposed to be getting it at this point. He's not like Kyler Murray, who's in his third year and is getting it. He's a rookie. And mm-hmm. you know what? And he showed a lot of poise last night. That's what I was about to say. Didn't have very good offensive weapons around him either. Well, the offensive line struggles. He's not been, you know what I mean? There's some different things going on there. Um, and one of the things that's going on is the referees have a big issue. Boy, they just threw that for Pittsburgh last night. Bro, for it's, between- been, it's been a problem all season. Like, even as a Panthers fan. Like, I mean, we got to keep in mind, like, what we're seeing right now is absolutely unacceptable. Like, like I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's like every two or three years, we feel like the referees are just really bad. This year, they are god-awful. And like when you have people like Adam Thielen even coming out and making tweets about, and he's in that division, and he still calls out the refs because of how bad they were last night against the Chicago Bears. When the, even a player who is hoping that that squad would lose is coming out in defense of them because of these horrible, horrible calls, like it's a problem. Like right now, and the the for whatever reason, the NFL still refuses to acknowledge it whatsoever. Like it's been it's every two or three years they have this issue and they do nothing about it except for say, all right, well, we're gonna get different coach, I mean different refs in, I guess. Guys, remember I always tell you it's a TV show. Right. There are people pulling strings in TV shows to make things work out the way they want them to. Just letting you know. I wear a tinfoil right, hat. Uh, am I on mute? No. Uh, Jay Anderson, part two, I think. But yeah, on the back, this is Jay Anderson again. But yeah, on the apologize to Teddy thing, man, like, I would have been, I know I would have been cool with Teddy still being here and he's playing and we had already had a backup quarterback and plus we had a a rookie O line. I think that would have been the best thing. It's, I don't know what's going on in that front office. It seems like damn, like people in the out, like people who are not, you know, in the in the front office know what the team needed, but the team in the front office don't know what the team needs or, or something like that. But that whole apologize to Teddy, anybody apologize to Teddy? Because oh, a lot of us believe, you know, a lot of us believe that what he was saying that they didn't practice on in you no know, red zone or no third down situation and stuff like that. He had a problem with Teddy, just like he just didn't belong here. And we didn't, like a lot of us did not like the Sam Donner trade. Anyway, so ain't nobody apologizing to Teddy. Teddy will be I all take, right. Teddy, yeah. make, Teddy getting paid to be <laughs> getting paid with the Broncos and getting paid to, um, to um, Panthers. So Teddy will be all right. Nobody fucking apologizing to no damn Teddy. This uh, this gif right here is from uh, Boondock Saints, where he's talking about taking all the fun out of the job. That ta- the taunting calls. Um, Ian Thomas got one this past week, uh, and now and then this guy who did a spinning back kick or something like that to a walk off mic drop kind of look and bumped into the ref where the ref bumped into him. Still, in a giant play of the game, equiv- the defensive equivalent at that moment to a touchdown on the other side, right? The taunting call gives them 
gives the Pittsburgh Steelers new life. You hate when you see those um, change the, the game entirely. All right, let's keep going through with the calls. This is your boy, Jay Anderson, again. The ho- I just got to say this. While everybody's saying, apolog- you know, where's Teddy's apology? First of all, where's Cam, ap- where's Cam Newton apology? Yes. That's all I want to know. Where are all the people who should have been apologizing to Cam? Still the greatest yeah. mystery. Thanks, Jay. Is uh, One of the greatest mysteries is why Cam is not playing in the NFL at this moment when so and and i don't think um look is that this is the cam and cam's time in carolina is like steve smith as long as gettleman was here steve smith won't gonna be here and as long as this regime with this coaching staff and things there's no way cam is gonna be somebody told uh is like so he would have to find a role with another team but i thought there were other teams that at least he could make yeah, an appearance on their roster. The the word on the street is that there are like he you know like he was in contact with Seattle after uh, Russell Wilson went down. Mm-hmm. I think he's wanting to go to a place he can win a starting job is the problem, and that's why he's waiting for the right opportunity as he wants the to go Saints. Start. The right. Saints. It's going to be hard to look at them there, but, but it they've could already happen. turned him down. They've already basically said they're not interested. They, I mean, I you know. think about that. Taysom Hill. And and to be fair, Trevor Simeon has come in and he played pretty well like, for one game, and then yeah. he went and threw like four yards. But uh, it's just a kind of a bizarre thing. I don't want to spend too much time on. It. I just want to say is that like the fact that he's not playing, and all these other guys are playing, uh, does is it's just an interesting fact. Uh, one other thing about the banner is was it you, Cody uh, or CK that mentioned this in the post that. Uh, none of the the guys on the banner, none of them are, are all, all of them are retired, yeah. and Cam isn't retired. So maybe, yeah. maybe I mean here, if the Carolina Panthers are listening, um, to this show, uh, that should be your PR report of why that banner is like that as you deal with, uh, Cody Lashley stirring the pot up when it comes to that banner on Twitter. Next call. Podcast brothers, how y'all doing? G of RCA. What's up, G? Hey, man. What's up, G? I just saw that the Panthers are uh, are in the progress of signing Matt Barkley. <laughs> you know, Matt Barkley, he's another USC Trojan, just like Sam Donald, whatever. You know, Matt Barkley, you know, to me, he's better than Sam Donald. You know, I remember him playing for USC too. I remember that. That was whew, years ago. I was still, I was still in the Panthers back then. You know what I'm saying? But uh, what's your thoughts on Matt Barkley? You know, indifferent. Good pickup, or you think he's gonna crash? Give me your thoughts on that. And like I said, it's breaking news. I just found out. He's just the backup to to PJ. Like unless PJ comes in and just shits the bed, which is very possible. Um, he has, he has PJ's backup. I don't think it's any more than that. Um, and, uh, I just, I'm disappointed that they haven't made any real moves. There's, there's, I'm not going to say there's plenty of guys out there, but there are people out there that are, uh, going to be possibly better than PJ Walker that we're just well, not I, trying to bring in. True. I, I see the, some sort of actual wisdom in the Barkley addition and that is as long if i'm right about darnold moving to ir or at the very least at the very minimum spending significant time out where he might make one last kind of hurrah at the end of the season when 
right we're really so far back that it doesn't really no one even is watching anymore um but i think barkley does this is that what happens if pj goes out there and gets hurt and you and what you gotta do is just have somebody that is a familiar enough with the nfl process to actually go out there and run some plays for you um that doesn't know, you know, is that can learn the system well enough or enough of a football system to just go and play the full game because this love kid that's on the team is, I don't, you can't bring in a guy who's never had any experience. Who's just been a practice squad player his entire time. And, and is young. Like you got to have somebody that's throwing a football before. And so I guess that is kind of the wisdom is it's kind of like the Mark Sanchez latter years mm-hmm. uh, for these teams or like the Joe Flacco uh, addition to the Jets, you know, right. For, for those who don't know, Matt Barkley, he was in Cam Newton's draft class. So no, he wasn't. He's was after J- Cam, I think. But I think he, he was, was 2013. 20, he was 2011 was his last year was at he? USC. Yeah, he was drafted. Oh, sorry, you're right. He was drafted 2013. But his stats say he was drafted or he didn't play after 2011 in college, which is weird. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong stuff. Anyway, fourth round pick. Uh, yeah, fourth round yeah. pick. For, yeah. so. I mean, so. All right, uh, let's keep going. Hey, guys. This is called the once again. Uh, when I left my oh, message, breaking news came in. Oh. The Panthers signing Barkley. Oh, of all the people out there, Matt Barkley. Right. Hey, Cody, I have a. I have a quarterback for you. We should have, we could have picked up. He's a rookie. He was part of this. He was would have been part of this rookie. So this past rookie draft class uh, conversation because I think he was that good. Um, if he didn't take off last year for because of the COVID thing, uh, Jamie Newman, former Wake Forest quarterback, transferred to Georgia. <laughs> Um, I guarantee you from the film that I watched on this kid and um the last his last two years. Listen, I haven't heard in a while. Got, if he if it wasn't for COVID, if this dude played in Georgia, JT Daniels would not have sniffed the field last year. I think this guy's good. If you wanna I mean, yeah, you screwed up and didn't get a quarterback. I think you, this Guy, you, you take a chance on this guy. He's a rookie. He's, he's sort of raw, but good arm, good good feet movement. Um, what's the name? Yeah, and Jamie this, Newman. I mean something. Matt Barkley. Yeah, I already looked him up. <laughs> Lord, Lord, I have to put it into it on all of them. Poor us, poor Panther fans. Cody. Explain to the people about Jamie Newman. Um, so, oh, my bad. I thought it was done. And as always, you guys keep pounding. Keep and pounding. once again, hit that damn like button for these guys. Yeah, you heard the man. Because these guys are arguably the best Panther channel on the, there is. I love the arguably. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you watch, watch if you're watching them now, you might as well hit the like button. Hit that like you button, know you y'all. love it. Keep pounding, guys. Keep Our pounding. own Carl D subscriber shame there towards the end. Yeah, yeah, man. Gotta love it. Shout out to Carl D. 
so Jamie Newman, uh, he was supposed to play at Georgia uh, in 2020, opted out because of COVID. And in my opinion, that was a terrible mistake for him uh, because ultimately what ended up happening was uh, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles as an undrafted free agent, but he was waived on June 9th of this year. And I mean, yeah, listen, we could have potentially gotten Jamie Newman, but the thing is, we were in the top 10 and two quarterbacks fell to us. Now, obviously, I was a much bigger fan of one over the other. Mac Jones, um, but was, we, yeah. Yeah, let's flip those uh, that <laughs> order kidding. there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, look, we had an opportunity to draft Justin Fields. We chose not to do it. And, you know, again, these little one off decisions have such lasting consequences. Uh, you know, the, the fact that we didn't take a quarterback, the uh, fact that we didn't draft a left tackle, the fact that we didn't put more emphasis onto the offensive line with the better free agent picks. Um, you know, like I said, we only have so many resources to be able to fix this next year. So um, I don't know, man. I think it should have been Justin Fields, uh, either that or Justin Herbert the year before. Uh, now look at us. You know, mm-hmm. we're uh, left clutching our pillows here, trying to figure out what, what we're doing. What did they say? But, uh, Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like yeah. if, the thing that sucks about this is if the Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold thing worked out, like these guys are geniuses. And that's what I feel like is happening. It's sort of like the way that I look at this, and I'm I'm the master of metaphors apparently now, is I'm looking at this sort of like how I look at fantasy. Like I dra- like I literally picked the people that I was thinking, like, man, I bet you this guy could do like there's been no indication that they're going to do well, but like I bet you like these matchups of the first half of the year, this guy's going to turn it around. Like, no reason why I believe that outside of, like, maybe it'll just be the cards falling my way. It kind of feels like that's what they did with Sam Darnold. Almost feels like that's what they did with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's a disappointment. Um, but these guys would have been geniuses if it worked the other way. Unfortunately, now they look like a bunch of stooges who uh, made uh, a gamble on a guy who... You know, we wanted to be successful. You know, if you're not a Pan- if you're a Panthers fan, you wanted Sam Darnold to do well. If if you didn't, then you're not really a Panthers fan. Let's be real about <laughs> some stuff. Um, and uh, and so now we're here. And uh, yeah, hey, it's interesting. I'm looking at these highlights from Jamie Newman. It's funny. I'm from I'm I live in Winston Salem or right next to it, and I I don't know this quarterback. Uh, <clears throat> there might be a reason. He does look good. But it looks like from what I'm seeing on his highlights right here, his wide receivers are the ones that are making him look good. Like he's making a lot of his balls are not in the right position, and the wide receivers are making great catches from the highlights. Similar to what happened last year with Teddy Bridgewater. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. Not saying he's Uh, terrible, but similar to all the guys in the chat on Charlotte Vibe Show last night, their balls were all in the wrong position. (laughs) God, they're so thirsty. I was kind of playing into the joke at at one point too, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> because the whole chat room was doing it, man. You tried to stay. I was proud of you for a few minutes where you tried to stay off of it, and then you were like, "You know what? I'm just joining with the crowd." Yeah, dude. Like I'm in the chat room now. I'm not in host mode. Um, but uh, hey, Tony, I was wondering if we could play that clip of Matt Rule um, talking about uh, Brian Burns and, and Matt Jones. I think that's one of the things that we haven't really. Uh, 
uh, talked about yet. And I really took umbrage with this, man. I want to see what you guys feel. Uh, you know, again, I'm going to let you uh, hear Matt Rule give his essential non-answer um, regarding Brian Burns and Matt Jones oh, and, his, and his attempt to try and hurt him. So This may flip my opinion on Matt Rule even more. You know, my, my job, you know, on game day on the sidelines is to defend, you know, defend our players. Um, you know, what I don't want to be is I don't want to be the Carolina Panthers who everybody gets to hit out of bounds and, you know, horse collar and turn their ankles late. And nothing ever gets called. And, you know, I look like a madman on the sidelines. But if that's what it takes, I mean, I'm going to sit there and defend our players to the officials the entire game. We have an excellent sideline. We don't have a lot of players yapping at the officials. We don't have a lot of coaches. I do it. Um you know, I, I tried to defend our guys. I, I saw the play on the field. I said something, you know, Hassan said it. I saw the replay, said something to the game officials. But I, I you know, I love Mac Jones, tremendous competitor. Oh. I have no idea what was in his brain or if that, and I'm not here to talk about that. But I am here to defend our guys. And um, uh, we don't, you know, obviously we can't get guys hurt something after the play. I mean, um, you know, we, we had two rough in the passer calls two a week ago, right? Um that, you know, we're, we're, we're really close. So, and again, not about officiating. I respect the job, the, the job that those guys do and how hard that is. It's just at the end of the day, protect our guys. And so. Pussy. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> Robbie last week or DJ last week or, you know, I'm always out there to check on them. Uh, you know, I want Bro. them to be healthy and I hate it for Brian that that happened. Brian that that happened. I hate it for Brian that that happened. But we love Matt Jones. Yeah. Or we love Matt Jones. And I don't want to comment on his character. And then there's another part in that interview where he said, oh, we don't want to talk about players on another football team. Listen, but I want to defend you, my players. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you want to defend your players? Well, how exactly are you defending your players? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying, oh, but we don't want to go too hard on the referees. Those guys have a hard job, even though you didn't go on to list all the times that they didn't give you the proper call. Well, tell me, Matt Rule, how are you going to bet for Brian Burns? But, but, but what you haven't said that you're going that you're going to talk to the league. Right. You don't seem very mad about it. Okay, you're you're going to jump and down and scream on the sideline. But what does that do? Like when you don't come out fervently in favor of your guys, like that shows zero leadership material, man. Yeah, like, uh, like how are these guys supposed to go to war for you every Sunday? And you're not willing to go to bat for your guys My, at the press conference? The only caveat is, as a head coach, you have to be incredibly careful with what you say. Because if he comes out and either like attacks the uh, character of Mac Jones or he comes out and he attacks the officiating, there is a fine coming. And they're, you know... They're like, that's the stupid thing about the NFL is you can't criticize. If you're a a coach, you don't have without like to an extent, you can say, I didn't agree with the call, but you can't sit there and outwardly say "Um, the coach, the the officiating was absolute garbage. Like they should have caught that. They didn't. That was a blatant disregard for player safety and they need to address it. He would have been fine for that. As stupid as that is. If I was a head coach. And I felt like I needed to say something about another player on another football team not taking into concern and then doing something dirty to one of my players. Right. Like, dude, I would eat that fine. 
Whatever, it's a fun. Dude, no, there's another way to do it. Millions of dollars. Like, there's another way to do it, and it is here. You know, I don't entirely have a problem with his perspective, like what he was trying, the angle he was going from. And you got to remember, these guys are just spitballing on pro- press conferences. Right. How many times have you been asked a question, you want to handle it a different order of events or something, or say one more thing, and you're like, I wish I would have said that. But I didn't, you know, he's like, I don't want to be the team that is that this is getting done. I think I didn't like the order. If I was him and I think if he went back, what he could have said is this is I don't know what was going through Mac Jones uh, head at the time. But I know I don't I don't want our players um, trying Mm -hmm. to intentionally twist knees or do anything like that, that that straddles the line of legal and illegal. Uh, Instead, I want our players to win and play uh, that respects the game. The other thing that he could have done is pulled the old Ron Rivera. And this is Ron Rivera. No, Ron Rivera would say, man, we're going to send this play to the, he said, I can't really comment on it that much. You know what I'm saying? This is what was called on the field. This wasn't what what was called on the field, but we will be sending this to the league office for review. Mm -hmm. Can I read what Mac Jones said? Because I want to break this down. This this is how you spot a liar right here. I'm going to read it and I'm going to break it down. He says, after I got hit pretty hard, I didn't really know exactly what was going on. I thought he had the ball and it was my job to make the tackle. That was pretty much it. And later he says, it was just a bang. Or he says, and you know, obviously, when you get up and see the ball is actually down the field a little bit more, it was just a bang, bang play. I didn't need to hurt anybody or anything like that. I was just trying to tackle him and make the play because, you know, I really didn't know what was going on. Okay. The next line says Brian Burns tried to twist his ankle to get out of the hole. So they're blaming the twisted ankle of Brian Burns. But let me break this down real quick. Let's say you spot a liar. After I got hit pretty hard, I didn't know what was going on. He's setting himself up to let you know I don't have liability for what happened. Okay, that's the first thing sign right there. Then later in the later in the statement, he says, when you see the ball is actually down the field a little bit more, when previously before he said, I thought he had the ball. So in the same statement, you're saying two different things. I thought he had the ball. I saw the ball down the field. Okay. And then he repeats himself by saying, I didn't really know what was going on. This guy's lying. He's lying his ass off. And then the statement after that says, Burns twisted his ankle to try to break free from Jones. Brian Burns did a 360 and twisted his ankle to try to get free from Jones. Really? That's really what happened. He was trying to pull his leg out, but that dude was holding on. I mean, it was clear the ball was way down the field. Right. Right. Is I that mean, if if the if if Brian Burns had the ball in his hand, the whole everybody would have been running towards him. Right. Exactly. right. Everybody is running away. The entire both teams are running away. Um, and I want you guys to, if I mean, just go look at the comments, folks, that these Patriot fans, these cheating Patriot fans are living, leaving on our video titled is uh, Mac Jones, a dirty player. It's interesting to see their perspective. They stick together. And another thing is it does show you, you see what you want to see in life. Absolutely. You know, is that like we see, uh, if you want to see a quarterback, that's great. You you know what we you the rose colored glasses the things like this you know you see you project your perspective on on events. Uh, let's go through with the next goal. Oh, oh okay. you got one thing to say? I real say quick, can Greg? I share this real quick? This is the best view I've seen of this play. I've got I've got to, y'all just got to let it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, y'all got to well, oh, I got to add it. Up. Do I got to add? I love. It? I oh, here we go. 
Is this the NFL Films version? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know why I can't hit play. Why? What the hell's going on? I mean, yeah, he swept his okay, leg. So I'll, I'll look. And, and I'll run it through it. it. He tried to trip him, number one, immediately. Yeah. Why is it not playing? Hit the little refresh button underneath the look, look, play. Yeah, and then you see this twist there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's clearly doing the Kurt Angle ankle lock. Hey, look, right here. Yeah. That was definitely Brian Burns turning, yeah, twisting his ankle to try yeah, to Yeah, I hole. mean, he... Uh, idiots. Yeah. Idiots. All right, yeah. let's go through with the next call. Look at those comments, folks. Go in there and war up for your team. War up for your team. Um, I was that today, and it it was just like I saw my friend that sits next to me. Did you? And both Panthers fans, and we get to commiserating, and by God, fuck, thinking about the game the whole day. Work. It made me work like a motherfucker. It made me so mad, though. It made me so mad that I probably like made my quarter for the entire year. But, I mean, where do we go from here, guys? I even forgot what I was going to call about. Damn. Just uh, that I saw my, you know, that I got to talk to Panthers at work and commiserate and whatnot. But, my God, it was so bad. Especially being at that game. And those fans, those fans, those fans. I'm not going to get started on this call because I'll probably need two calls. But you know what? Fuck it. I will get started. I think that there's an argument for fans just like being so done and like leaving. But guess what? Ownership doesn't give a shit if you leave that game. You know why? Because you already bought your ass a seat. You yep. just left at halftime. They don't care. And it's just a force of empty seats and silence, which a lot of people say silence is agreement. So what it looks like to them is we're agreeing with what they're doing, which we're clearly not. And by God, we don't have to stay in cheer at all. That's not actually what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for fans to start cheering, start booing and chanting about firing Joe Brady and uh, Deshaun needs to be a Panther because he didn't do it. And, um, you know, even if you want to go, if, if we really think the problem is Tepper, which a lot of it is, chanting, you know, fuck David Tepper over and over again because if enough people do it, the ownership is going to hear it because they go to those games. They're going to hear it. And Tepper walks out, you know, into the crowd. And we need we need to be around him saying, Yo, David, what the hell are you doing with our football team, dude? I mean, we know that, he, that you're the owner. We know that you have the purse strings, but we're your boss, and you do what we want to do, which is win. But that's my rant, and that's what I was thinking. That um, and we even did it when we even did it when we were winning. The fans even did it when we were winning. I know it was preseason. I know it doesn't mean anything. It was against the Steelers, and we were beating the shit out of them. They were leaving third. Uh, here is the – I think he's got five more seconds to – All right. Uh, this is just to show you the level that the Patriot fans will go through. Uh, this is somebody, obviously. 
who is a Patriots fan, they go, oh, Mac Jones is a dirty player. Here is Brian Burns. And then they show whatever this is. They show, and I want to comment on this one right here, but it's the same three plays over and over. One is he's running over and he barely taps that guy. Uh, the other, I mean, like, look at that. Like that, you think that's a dirty play? Okay, yeah, he's ball, trying yeah, to, uh, he's trying to like, hurt. Yeah, he was trying to hurt him. Oh, yeah, clearly. Then they show this. Look, this one's not even from this game. So don't mislead is, the people. Yeah, that like you Ryan. don't know any of the context of what if the guy had the ball if he didn't. And then what is this one? What is? That's that's when he he's trying to tackle both of them. Yeah, yeah, that's like a sensational defensive play. Uh, this is how delusional this fan base is, and oh, this is what happens. Hysterical. I mean, when you have a culture of cheating. Um, so let's keep palling through with these calls. Um, what do y'all think about Matt Brockley? Um, and him coming Broccoli. to the Carolina Panthers? Do you think it's going to be a long thing or like the short thing? I think that Matt Brockley, which I'm going to call him that from now on, from now on, thank built you so that base though. Oh yeah, is that first of all? Thank you so much for the yeah. best jab ever. And uh, I would say, eat your broccoli once a week uh, to keep the doctors away, because Sam Darnold didn't eat his broccoli, and he's got his uh, broken scabula. And then PJ Walker, he is uh Sam uh wait, what's his name again? Matt Matt Broccoli Matt. is the is the vegetable for PJ Walker. So yeah. you gotta have a PJ sandwich and uh your broccoli. Broccoli. Uh great yeah. call, man. Great call. Thanks for calling in. The number's two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Smash the thumbs up, uh, be a part of the conversation. Hey guys, it's Chuck from Elizabeth City, aka Carolina Spears guy. It's kind of incredible how emotions play out with the fan base. We were three and zero, and everybody was praising, praising how great our defense was and how good Sam Donald was, and that we ripped the Jets off and everything looked good, you know. And didn't feel so bad with the Dallas game to a point because of the rest kind of shitting on us in the first half. But man, then I go back and look at the Philly game and how we blew a game we should have won. And then the Viking game where we just like shit, we meant to come back and blow it because our defense can't hold them down because the offense struggles all day. And then the Giant game, which I think it couldn't get any worse till the Patriot game. And, and you know, guys, I'm at a loss of words because our defense, as good as it can be, it, I think it feels like it's carrying the weight. Like if they don't pitch a shutout, we can't win. You know, you can see that in the game where we played Philly and, you know, Frankie Louvu blocks a punt and Kenny Robinson scores a touchdown. We got the lead and then we can't hold Our offense is horrible. We knew this going in. We needed offensive line help. And let's face it, everybody says, well, just get offensive line help. That's a position, you know, especially the tackles and even a good center. They're not out there, folks. They're few and far between. That's why you've got to grab while you can. And the guard plays what really astounded me. I thought we were set, and they looked terrible. We were better last year and the year before. You know, and as bad as Ronnie is, and Ron was terrible, 
Matt Rule this year, you know, last year he didn't have a training camp and looked pretty decent. Getting better. This year he was lost. And he's lost the team. And I just think offensively we're, you know, even Jacksonville looks improved and the players are playing. When the guys quit playing for the coaches and are not listening, you're in trouble. And I hate to say it, this is going to be a brutal thing to watch. And unfortunately, it's like a bad scar. It's not going to heal in one season. Uh, wish I knew what the answer was, but this is just something as a Carolina Panther fan, you're going to have to just suck it up and live with it. Ask the Arizona Cardinals. They had Josh Rosen, shitty coach that they got from Carolina, was a defensive coordinator for one year. And they found out who they wanted. They drafted another quarterback, and they're turning it around. Maybe it'll happen to us. Uh, this is an interesting tweet. I just saw is uh, Trey Boston said, go get Cam. Simple. At least you give yourself a shot on offense. Defense is playing the best I've seen since 2015. Give them a chance while NFC is down in total. Slide seventh seed and make a run. Does this make sense or am I tripping? Maybe I'm tripping. Tell me who tripping. Interesting. Uh, you know, I like this is uh, they should bring Trey Boston in to do some work for the team because. Yeah, not uh, even as a player, but like. Yeah, like he's a good cheerleader. And he's a hype man if I've ever seen one. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, and he's cool with the fans. I mean, he's great. He's got charisma. Like, they could bring him in to do some stuff with the media department and some some different things. Trey Boston, got your back, homie. Come on the C3 Panthers podcast. Let's go back to Chuck. Hey, it's Chuck from Elizabeth City, a.k.a. Carolina Sports Guy. I am so fucking tired of hearing all these stupid-ass Want to be Carolina Panther fans? We should have drafted Rashawn Slater. Okay, what's it going to do for the rest of the line? We should have drafted Justin Fields with that offensive line, with that coaching. Okay, maybe he'd be better than Donald, but do you think he'd be better than what he is in Chicago right now? People have got to. I don't think we would want him to be. Quit thinking. We, we should have drafted Aaron Rodgers instead of Thomas Davis back into. 2006 or 7 oh, NFL I, draft. I'm going to disagree with that. you. Folks, you got to quit this second guess and it happens. Because if we drafted Justin Fields Ooh. and it didn't work out, then you'd be pissed because we didn't draft the best defensive player coming out. Put that Not thing up you shared with us, uh, Cody. Uh, your tweet about the uh, being scared to pull the trigger. Yep. Um, so here is Chuck. Thanks for the call. Um, thanks for all the support in the chat room. I actually, uh, the reason I'm going to disagree with this take is that, um, this, and, and I do understand the sentiment. This is that there are people who are hesitant to jump on board with the uh, C Sam, uh, C Justin Fields, C Rashawn Slater talk, uh, because, uh, it is convenient since J.C. Horn is injured, right? So if J.C. Horn was out there having the defensive rookie of the year season, you know, it wouldn't be as easy to say that. But I think the one thing that does come about is that in retrospect, though, we added so many corners to the stable, right, throughout the season is number one. Number two, he's not playing, and these other guys are playing. And number three is that, for me, it is it's about franchise building, and while a corner is a, a very important 
piece on the defensive squad. He's kind of he like the, the skill team. player. Yeah, it's like the trajectory of the team. You know, you don't build it. You add a corner to a team that's got a quarterback and has an offensive line. We haven't drafted an offensive lineman in the first round in 13 years. And really what my idea, I think in retrospect, if I could go back, is and you got to wonder why Teddy, did Teddy have a fallout with the coaching staff or something to that effect is why didn't, you know, you almost wondered you could have had Sam Darnold and just and, and just make Sam Darnold eat it or have uh, Teddy Bridgewater play a full year and have Justin Fields sit on the bench uh, and get and maybe go in when that guy got killed behind this offensive line. And then uh, that we wouldn't feel like we are years behind in the process. I feel like next year, guess what we're going to be doing is we're all going to be looking for offensive tackle and we're all going to be looking for um a quarterback, I think it's probably easier to find a corner in free agency through trading or through later rounds in the draft than it is to find a quarterback or a left tackle in the later rounds of the draft. And by the Go way, ahead, we Barry. literally did it. We literally did it. <laughs> then we went and got Stephon Gilmore and yeah. CJ Henderson. Yeah. So and and Chuck, this is where where you're you're wrong on this man because it, none of those guys that you mentioned equal a franchise quarterback. And one, I actually do think that Justin Fields would be a lot better on this team than than he even is with the Bears because the Bears don't have a, a lot of weapons. They don't have a great offensive line. Yet he was able to make some of the plays, and I have no doubt in my mind that Justin Fields would be able to make some of the plays that Sam Darnold hasn't been able to play. The point being, though, is that if you have a shot at a franchise quarterback, I mean, even if you're not going to put him in the best possible scenario to win the very next season, you at least have the most important part of your football team to build around. And I mean, you know, if Rashawn Slater, if we drafted him, yeah, we would have had a franchise left tackle, but ultimately it would have been the same the same scenario if we would have yeah, but it would have helped the trajectory of the team is that like if you're turning a big ship you know you don't turn a ship on a dime but a left tackle is a bigger rudder turn for a team that has no offensive line than a defense that has some parts to it already that can add you can't just go get you can't get a stefan gilmore in a trip for a six-round pit you can't who's a left tackle? nobody's gonna give up a left tackle in the league that's right, why we but, can't trade for one. Nobody's trading right. any of them. But what turns that ship even harder? Right, than a another big than, rudder pool. Then, then a franchise quarterback. And all I'm saying is that even if we would have drafted later, we still would have been having this very same conversation about, oh well, we should have taken a quarterback. But uh, when I we mean, draft a quarterback next year, or we get a quarterback, I guess what we're going to say? Well, there's no offensive line. You know, so I mean, is that that's what I'm saying is that the conversation is still going to be the same next year right. as it is this year. No quarterback, no offensive line. At least if you had the left tackle, you're one step closer to saying, all right, we're repairing the line and we're trying to find the quarterback. Right. Is that we just haven't gotten them yet. I just feel like this is this was this. This was like a move where you didn't want to take a risk by getting J.C. Horn. But what? Uh, tell us what this uh, tweet said. Oh, well, um, yeah. So this is a tweet that I put out earlier. Somebody isolated um, a, a two-minute video 
of all the reasons why we thought Sam Darnold was going to be great. And then it flashes forward to the future um, and, and talks about, you know, Sam not playing good enough now. But what I had put on um, on Twitter, and this was in regards to the specific portion where Matt Rule said the hit rate on rookie quarterbacks isn't real high. And he said that in an interview with Rich Eisen. And this is how I translate that. Not only are we not good at evaluating the quarterback position, but even if there was one we liked, we're too scared to pull the trigger because of stats and statistics. And it goes back to one of my philosophies that I've said on here before. They're doing a lot of judging um, current players on what other guys in the past couldn't do. Oh, so there's been a bunch of bust rookie quarterbacks before. Better not take a chance on drafting one of those. And, and, and you know, what, having a, a bad quarterback? Hey, Matt, we have one anyway. We have Sam Darnold, who's probably playing worse than all the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL right now. So it, it, it really shows no, no trust in your own evaluation. That if you saw a quarterback that you that you have that you really liked and wanted him to be a part of the team, you didn't even trust your gut to pull the trigger on that guy in the top ten when you had the chance because you looked at other quarterbacks and how they failed. That's gutless to me. It's gutless. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think this is uh, like you could use a similar argument for I've always uh, I've tried to say that, like, just because the top left tackle talent coming out of college is the top talent doesn't mean they're going to be great right away in the NFL. And and there's a lot of misses on those guys uh, as well. Right. There's been a ton of misses. Matt Khalil is an example. Right. There's a ton of examples of left tackles. It probably shows you the importance of the positions. The more big time misses that sit in your mind is the more important the position is, number one. And number two, it shows the difficulty of the position. But I tell you what is a miss is not trying is not trying to take him any of them at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you want to see what uh, is that we could you could use the same logic that Matt Rule's using for quarterbacks. You could use it for the left tackle of why we didn't. Oh, you could say, oh, there's been a ton of misses in the top 10 of left tackle prospects that have that have gone. Well, there's also been a ton of misses of undrafted free agents playing left tackle at, at the level at the at the level at this at the pro level. There's also been a ton of misses in not drafting any offensive linemen and making it a priority and trying to find these bums down the road is that the Panthers are, reap, are reaping what they sowed. And that is zero investment in the offensive line um, and a fear of solving the quarterback position once they decided to move on from Cam. And then even after Teddy, the opportunity was there uh, and they didn't do it. And uh, you know what is that if imagine this, if J.C. Horn uh, played all year and was defensive rookie in the year, what problem would we still have? Quarterback. Quarterback and offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next. uh, Last call. Um, that's oh. again. Um, I had another question. Um, do you think in the next couple of years, you think that Carolina will have a chance of going back to the Super Bowl? That's my question. My man, my man, thank you first of all for calling. Yes, uh, keep pounding, yes, sir. Keep pounding, Cody. 
go ahead you take it um i think i've kind of voiced a lot of my opinion is that uh the timeline for me has been extended now after this year is that the answer was is that yeah i could see a scenario where we're building towards success but for me the steps backward the steps forward we took in hiring matt rule and then having a decent first season the steps forward weren't large enough to um to get us ahead on the timeline for the steps we've taken back this season. Yeah. And I don't know the caller's name. Thank you caller uh, for, for these uh, great questions you're asking. Uh, and yeah, we're, I, I agree with you, Tony, we're further away from a Super Bowl team uh, than I thought we were at the start of this season. Um, and listen, we had Ed Smith on earlier in the podcast tonight. And this is a guy who just a few years ago was talking about his team having a number one pick. They've had a lot of top 10 picks a bunch of years in a row. Um, But in order for that to happen, the Panthers organizationally has to start making the right decisions at the right time. Um, And, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, and I've used it before on the the podcast, sometimes you have to rip those Band-Aids off now Instead of letting it fester, man, you have to get it over with sometimes. And I think that um, David Tepper kind of delayed the inevitable with a lot of things that he had to do with this organization as soon as he bought the football team. So it, it really depends, man. If we're able to fix the quarterback position and and get some guys on our offensive line and manage to keep our defense relatively the same, yeah, man. I mean, who knows what could happen? Every year is an entirely different year. Uh, I, if we make the right decisions, we could go back to the Super Bowl within the next three years. But a lot has to happen uh, on our offensive line and at the quarterback position. Um, uh, just a couple of comments I thought that were interesting to me in the chat room. Ryan G as a Saints fan. We only drafted offensive line and defensive ends, which is why we have the worst receiving core in the NFL. Either way, you suffer regardless when you ignore certain positions constantly. Um, I, mean, I think that some of it is uh, is that it's it's just uh, the lack of long-term investment at the position of offensive line that's been a problem for the Carolina Panthers. Again, 13 years since we drafted one in the first round when it has been a continuous and habitual problem in Carolina. And also, I point out that obviously Michael Thomas is the richest forgotten man already. Um, wasn't he? He was a second round pick. He was pretty good, right? Some different things. I think he was a second round pick. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, the other one was this: is Lonzo Haith Jr. says, uh, "I'm sorry, but the Giants and Pants game wasn't on the offensive line. It was on poor offensive play calling and a horrendous QB play." Uh, look, QB play horrendous. Agreed. No disagreement there, um, but so was the offensive line too. So they both were bad together, and I'm not saying one was bad because the other one was bad. They just both stunk. Both stunk. I mean, it can't um, be. It's not mutually, you know, exclusive that they're both bad, right? It's, right. They're like cool. not causal. They're corollary, right? Is they yeah. both coincide? And I saw this picture in the group chat for the creators. Did you see that picture that I, I sent you guys the picture of the guy? Um, tell me what this is about. Let's see if I can get this to come up. I want to know in what possible world 
this can happen? Like, what was the context of? Is it? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, this, this is and I can't get. Judon, like, what is the context of this? Judon had literally touched Dennis Daly, and Dennis Daly had that happen to him. Like that was that was one of the facts. <laughs> He's like nine. Like it looks like he wasn't touched. It looks like he just. Yeah, Fet, like ran over there and dove at the hash or something like what it just is such a bizarre welcome to why that's absolutely hysterical to see like that's that's what again like that's a prime example on how bad our offensive line is is like that that's not a, that, again that's hysterical but it's not the first time again it's not like it's more you know more often than I'd like to admit that I've seen our offensive linemen end up on the ground barely being touched or just letting somebody go by them completely untouched. Our offensive line is absolutely garbage, and uh, you know that's that's hard to argue at this point. All right. That is uh, really about all I got. We've been through the calls uh, quickly. Uh, the Panthers are on the road uh, to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, anybody, your thoughts on? And nobody is taking them, right? Uh, Nobody's taking the Cardinals. No, yeah, uh, no. right. The Panthers. Uh, <laughs> we're not keeping score, really, right? Because if we were, I would probably do it. No, we, oh, oh, yeah, like we yeah, are keeping for, score. Are we? I was, but I lose it every week because I drink <laughs> right. a lot. There's no um, official score, right? So I don't think anybody. If you were going to do, if we're doing this week's pick'em. No one's picking the Panthers to upset no, the Cardinals, I don't think, on this show. Man, if I'm wrong. Nah. Uh, Fal- the Falcons are heading to the Cowboys. Uh, I think this is a bounce-back game for the Cowboys. It's tough, tough ass for the Falcons. But, I mean, the Falcons aren't a dead team, but they're we beat them. They're not a good team either. I'm picking the Cowboys there. Anybody want to try their luck with the Falcons? No, man. I don't ever trust the Falcons to – to do a, do a thing like that, man. Cowboys are one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Except yeah. for well, they got beat by the, the they got smoked by the Denver Broncos and, and Vic Fangio and the Bills got beat by yeah. the Jags. It happened. Yeah, I mean, anything the Panthers any, will any probably win Sunday. one more game. But and the Vic Fangio will one more game, man. It's, yeah, it's, Vic Fangio said that uh, the blueprint on how to beat Dallas is out now. How about that? Wow, uh, that's interesting. All right, the last game here. And here's another one for you, Cody. You want to talk about uh, to show that these things um, are in any given Sunday? The Saints go and beat. Wasn't didn't they play last no, week? No, the Bucks? The Saints, or wait, that was two weeks ago. That was two weeks that was ago. Two they weeks beat the ago. Bucks, okay. and then the Falcons beat the Saints this week. Oh yeah. So any given Sunday, uh, the Saints are on the road against the Titans. Um, I think the Titans. I mean, I I think they're they're killing it. I mean, you know, I mean, they're good, even though they're with, I think they're with, I mean, obviously they're without Derrick Henry. I think they're a better team at this point. They have a quarterback that's been their starting quarterback. They're starting to get better on defense. I got the Titans. Yep. Around the horn. Oh, well, I guess what? We all had the same picks this week. Um, let's go through the last segment of the show, and that's our ice up pick uh, for. Um, the week it's our homage it's our ice this is our homage folks if you're not familiar with it the ice up pick is a our homage to steve smith and by the way if you will want to see the exact game that that saying came about 
It is a awesome watch. It is the Monday night football game uh, where the Panthers play the Patriots, Cam Newton, and crew at at Bank of America. Upset. Well, I, I guess you would say upset. Yeah, upset in our 13. We went 12 and 4 that year, I think. Um, Cam Newton had a sensational game. Uh, and he was electric. Steve Smith uh, was just big play, a big play. And him and Akib Talib or Talib, yeah, because not Akib yeah, Talib, right? Akib Talib, uh, not Talib Kweli, good rapper. But they, I mean, they were battling. Uh, you know what is that? That was the one of the last temper tantrums I've seen on the field. Is to. Uh, Talib or whatever the hell his name was, he got mad, dude. He was coming after, and they were carrying this off. They had to sit him. Um, the Panthers win that on a controversial play for the whiny cheating. Where not? Yeah. I guess yeah, the Patriots. I'm surprised yeah. nobody has said anything about it in our chat room. As a Patriots fan, but they picked up the flag. That was the what they thought was a holding. Upset. Tom Brady screaming at the refs. Fun game to watch if you want to watch something. Uh, that brings back better memories than what we've seen this sun this past Sundays. All right, ice up, son. Who you guys got? Uh, I'll just yeah, go. I'll just go. Broad. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll just say New England Patriots, man. I, uh, Tony, I'm sitting here looking through this comment. You you, you posted this uh, this first things first um, Twitter uh, or feed with them talking about the this play, this Mac Jones play, and dude. I, I, I can't understand what goes through the the minds of Patriots fans. I, I, I really can. can't. Like, like it, there is no way to defend some of the stuff you have. And I'm looking at this one you replied to and actually just replied to yours because it's just absolute bullshit. There's no way you can look at the Brian Burns play and say it wasn't dirty. And there's absolutely no way you can look at these videos they posted to try to counter that with Brian Burns and say those plays are dirty. Like, it's just yeah. absolutely insane. I have no idea through all the years of the cheating <clears> – <throat> The rules changed. Everything they've had go in their favor. Everything they've had to work out for them. How you can possibly complain about anything? What are these guys talking about? They're delusional, man. Patriots they're they're fans delusional, are delusional, but but this is this is like comfortable positioning for them. Yeah, right. Like it's like, and and this isn't a matter. Yeah, of been, this is where this is the world they live in. Yeah, exactly. It, it's normal to them. It's like when you stink, but you don't know you stink. You know, yeah. it's like everybody else knows you stink, but you're used to it. So you don't know you stink until somebody tells you, hey, you stink. So, yeah. Uh, so Patriots fans, man, ice up, especially this week. This is some bullshit. Just admit your quarterback once again is a dirty motherfucker. I mean, that's that's where I think they yeah. they they thrive. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not, you know, you you believe uh, Tom Brady to be a dirty player or not, like it's clear that. The place that they want to be with with quarterbacks is somebody who's going to toe the line for being somebody who is actually like uh, a rule follower or somebody who's just trying to, you know, get one over on people. Right. And uh, right now, Mac Jones is clearly like the thing. I love that first that one th- uh, clip you sent out, um, Tony, where you were talking like it talks about how like the thing that's most concerning about this for Patriots fans, in my opinion, what you should be looking at is in his first attempt opportunity to be a dirty player he takes the opportunity to be a dirty player yeah. like his very first opportunity it's like a, it was like an instinct yeah and so and that's what i literally the thing that was so crazy about that 
is that's exactly what I talked about on the post game. I said, like, it doesn't come often that you have an opportunity to be a dirty player. And it only took one opportunity for Mac Jones to take that chance, take that opportunity and go forward with it. Mm -hmm. And he did. And he did it with an attempt to try to ruin someone's season. Like, it was not unintentional. Like, you look at that. He literally wraps and then starts to roll over like he was trying to do it. Like, there is there, there is no defending that. That's exactly what you're also, did. Yeah. You're also the position, too, that is the most protected in the league, right? Like, as like you exactly. play quarterback in there, the most, like, glorified, protected uh, kids' glove position and what's it like unless you're cam newton what, or Fields. but if yeah if you're a defensive player the it is advantageous to be a dirty player right i mean if you think about it like i've heard lavar lavar arrington who was one of the greatest football linebacker uh, football players of all time i feel like i mean ran into injuries and some things but this guy was crazy he was playing a league of his own he said he was trying to break Cat's ribs. Like, he wanted to, like, you have to have that, dog, like, I'm trying to hurt you mentality. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure offensive linemen have that, too. It's just funny that the whiny, the it's like the whiny, it's like the brattiest kid in the group is the one everybody's, like, walking around on eggshells for. All right. Anyway. Yeah. I feel like that's what our society is like now. We're we're, we're just coddling the most offended (laughs) amongst us, hoping that they don't cancel us and try and get people fired from their fucking jobs. Mm. That's so dumb. Uh, Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, But anyway, um, I actually, I I put this on the Friday free-for-all for people to react to, but it was so, it was so good. I want to dust this off again for my ice up pick. Um, there is the I Am Athlete podcast with Brandon Marshall and a few of these other guys, and they had yeah. Pac-Man Jones on on their podcast, and they asked him uh, who they think he could beat in a boxing match. Was that Pac-Man? Um, yeah, I'll oh. just I'll just let you um let you listen to who Pac-Man thinks that he could be in a boxing match. I thought that was Marshawn. Steve Smith, man, you. I thought that was Marshawn. Man, I would love to see that boxing match. Oh man, I would love to see that. So, okay, so hold up. So he's talking all this shit, right? Uh, about uh, about Steve Smith. Well, one, we all know that shit is false. We know <laughs> that uh, that Jones would knock him out. What am I listening to? What? I don't know what. Is that mine? Yeah, I don't hear none. Yeah, I don't hear anything. Well, either. I start playing again. Right, but anyway, if you don't know the history between Pac-Man Jones and and, and Steve Smith, uh, there's a reason why my man is uh, so upset and so salty uh, about Steve Smith, and it's because of a very specific play uh, that happened a few years ago when the Ravens. Uh, when the Ravens played the Bengals, 
Oh, oh yeah. Shit, oh, yeah. Here it is. Here yeah, it is. Put Get up, me, boy. Hurt, bro. God, how did you, <laughs> do you not love Steve Smith, man? Uh, so, That's to Pac Man Jones pretending like he would do anything to Steve Smith in a boxing match, yo, Steve Smith would serve you these hands, son. And there's nothing you'd be able to do about it, bro. So the Pac-Man Jones, you were an overrated football player, started a bunch of fights, man, too aggressive. He's a he's a clown, bro. I up, Pac-Man. I up. CK, you got one? I mean, I was just going to ice up Mac Jones just because, like, at this That's point in time. That's why I said Patriots. Yeah. I thought you were going to go Mac Jones. Ma- yeah. I, I'm just, I'm <laughs> over this whole, like, I, I, I was very vocal about it, and... The, the the reality is, I mean, if you look at it, the media, for them, for them, by and large, there are people like Shane and Sharp and, you know, ones out there that are saying like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that play, right? Um, but by and large, people are starting to realize like how fucking dirty that was. Um, and I love that clip you put out there because it absolutely illustrated everything about why that was a dirty play and why it should be concerning to you if you're a Pats fan. Because you have got somebody with such little character that the first chance he got to be dirty, he took that fucking bait and he didn't even look back. He didn't even like this is the this is how you know even beyond that this dude is absolutely stupid. Is he like he's like, oh, I didn't even I don't mean to hurt nobody. Dude did it, walked up, didn't even look back, got up, walked away, didn't even pay attention to what he just did. Like that's a guy who has no remorse. And it's coming in with absolutely no, like, you best believe defenses are watching that right now. And, and Mac Jones is about to get low blow after low blow after low blow coming after him, people headhunting him. Um, and I'm not sitting here, again, I said it on the post game. I'm not asking anybody to injure Mac Jones, but you need to punish this guy and because and, he clearly has no regard for you as defensive players. Defenses are going to be coming after him, and they're not going to show any remorse for anything they do to him. Yeah. Look right here, he sweeps the leg. Look, <laughs> look, <clears throat> dude, you can't get more dirty than that. And he sees him wincing, and then stands up and just walks the other way. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah, I know it's terrible. Um, okay, my ice up pick uh, goes to. I didn't know that M Night Shyamalan directed the movie Dune. Because this fantastic movie with great, with great, uh, draw, great acting, with uh, great cinematography, with what I thought was great writing and a great story, had a terrible ending, or a, I would say a lackluster ending. No, M. Night Shyamalan did not direct the uh, Dune. Uh, it was way better than an M. Night Shyamalan movie. But M. Night Shyamalan is great. Like he's the master of making trailers. He is the master of making really interesting movies until you get to the end and you're yep. like, Ugh. yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, I thought this is, uh, you know what? I would watch Dune. I would recommend it. Uh, I just thought, man, for being such a good movie, 90, 98% of the way, right at the end, just kind of, uh, I was whelmed with that ending. I was just whelmed. I was not underwhelmed. I was not overwhelmed. I was whelmed. And uh, as I tell my students, your money's made in the beginning and the ending of an essay. Your money's made in the beginning and the end of a movie. And uh, I guess maybe HBO made some money on that. I'm sure they spent a lot of money on it, too. To you, ending of Dune. 
ice up. I am excited about more to come, though. Two things. 2023, part two comes out. I want to hear your thoughts on that when it comes out. I'm glad you enjoyed the first movie. Secondly, this movie was half of the first movie for the 1984. So this is not the ending of the essay. This is the middle of the essay. They just broke well, it down. You got to find a better chapter to end on. Uh, I agree. I or, just, t- or tweak it or something. But you're going to watch just, the next one, right? It, it caught you. I am. I uh, will. I you I will. To watch the next one. That, that was all it needed to do. So there you I go. I liked it as like a kind of Slow an a new adult Star Wars ish type. Yeah. You know, is that uh, not taking the. I thought it was. Uh, yeah, man. I was. I liked it. So. But the ending. I wish the ending would have had a little bit more. So I yeah. say, I said, remember that mil- filmmakers. Here's what good ending. Um, that's the C3 Panthers podcast. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore. No. Yeah. At cat underscore chronicles. What am I doing? I'm like, forget my own dang Twitter handle. And no, I'm not drunk. That's the problem. I'm not drunk. Um, <laughs> we're here tomorrow night. Uh, beat check. David Newton in the house. Confirmed that early in the morning. I saw him. He was at the play rent tonight. And uh, we've got to debate my take tomorrow as well. See, uh, Cody, how can they get after you and follow your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cody Lack. I'm always uh, going off about something on Twitter. So follow me there. You can find all my written content on drafttech.com where I write as an analyst for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that's drafttech.com. Um, you know, especially as we get into draft season, that's going to be picking up in a real big way. So make sure you check that out and be here every Friday at seven for the Friday free for all. You can join the show and have a conversation with me and everyone else in my cult of free for all, uh, about these Carolina Panthers and you can have your voice heard. We do it every single Friday. Kevin Bosch opens in the chat. That's my Friday free for all homie. He's going to be feeling better after that cat call. He got it off his shoulders. Join us every Friday for the Friday free-for-all. And uh, that's it, Tony. Um, Greg, how can they get after you? Uh, you can find me at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter uh, or at SCS Podcast once by the show. We go live Friday nights talking about all kinds of media books what's tonight what's this week's topic yeah Uh, this week's gonna be yeah doom patrol finale um and then i don't really know uh no we're gonna keep over prodigy uh new uh, star trek show it's out it's pretty fun show it's a nickelodeon show but it's pretty fun for animation is it animated it is if you like clone wars for star wars you'd like it um and then honestly talking about yeah honestly just news after that so there's not really a lot going on but there's a lot coming up so. Right on. Uh, CK, how can they get after you? You can find me at on all social media uh, at Codizzle Allen, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, Facebook Gaming, Twitch, all those uh, places. This Thursday, I'm going to be flying out to Vegas, so I'm not going to be. Uh, I'm going to try to get out the Madden thing tomorrow night, but I'm going to be kind of busy, so I might. I, it might not be something I can do this week. I, I may be able to send you guys if you're able to do it. Um, but, uh, just be on the lookout for that. Hopefully that'll drop this week, but, uh, just be looking out, man. I'm going to try to put some stuff yeah, out. Uh, you know? Send us at the very minimum. Well, not at the very minimum. First of all, have a great trip and fun. But if you want to just send us the file, I can, we can play around with it and try to figure it out. Yeah, for sure. All right. Oh, well, cool. uh, have say, uh, be safe, have fun. Um, and if you yeah. can do a futures bet on the Carolina Panthers to win the Super Bowl, <sighs> let's uh, say six years from now, let's put 25 bucks on it.
I doubt they do that far in advance. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you uh, tomorrow night on uh, Beat Check, Friday night on uh, Friday Free for Fall, and Sunday afternoon or, er- or evening because we're going to be in Arizona on national TV. Um, get ready, folks. Buckle your seatbelts. Um, don't beat yourselves, as Matt Rule would say. We'll see you later. Keep pounding. Take us out of here, Cody. Keep pounding. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.